2017 the year's coming to an end we've all had enough of this nazis back in the public eye the alt-right taking over everywhere an orange piss stained piece of shit for president a whole year of this net neutrality's gone we're all wearing out we can't handle it anymore the shock and awe is getting us all down and we're all so very tired very very tired hey buddy hey champ how we doing buddy oh you caught me mccreetying oh you okay slugger oh man this year's really wearing me out you won't go back throw the ball around a bit i don't know maybe huh hot chocolate you want some hot chocolate oh, i'm gonna throw a little baileys in there I there we go a little whiskey maybe yeah yeah not a problem buddy anything here you go here's a nice hot chocolate from uncle matt to you buddy i don't mean to interrupt but are you guys gonna like hug it out and shit so we can like get on with the show wait Wait a minute, how long have you been listening to this? Uh, long enough. Oh, God. God damn it. Uh, gee, I thought you turned this shit off. Do I need to leave the room? Yeah, if you wouldn't mind, I'm nude. Ugh. You know what? Fuck it. Ugh. Let him join in. No. All right, yeah, get out of here, buddy. Happy fucking New Year. No. Grease up. from another plane of existence would do well to cover their ears right about now. Garbage people. Cinema Psyops. My personal view is that it's nauseating, disgusting, degrading, ghastly, skinny, truly unpiolistic and generally nauseating. They are unbelievably nauseating. They are the antithesis of I regard them as disgusting, nasty, horrible, without any kind of merit. I just do not believe that any allegedly cultural activity which strikes at the roots of culture is to be applauded. They represent nothing, to my mind, enduring, decent, or worthwhile. I just do not believe that they contribute anything worthwhile to inflict themselves upon society at large. I would like to see somebody dig a very, very large, exceedingly deep hole and drop the whole bloody lot down it. You know, I think uh, the whole world will be busting through by their total and utter non-existence. Cinema Psyops with Hort and Matt. Hello and welcome to the New Year's edition of Cinema Psyops early for once to the studio when i'm actually ready to go sitting across from me at the table here is matt you don't even fake drunk that well what 
I don't. No, it's a good thing you're not really an actor. I know, right? Jesus. There's a million starving I'm, actors out there in your audition. I've been drunk enough. Show. You'd think I would, you know, be able to pull off fake drunk pretty well. Yeah, <laughs> you'd think you would know what that's like. Yeah, right? But I've seen you actual drunk, and it's much worse than that. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably because I don't remember being drunk, so, you know, blackouts and everything. <laughs> it happens. Yeah, you wake up, you're working the fry later and banging a slow girl. <laughs> <laughs> on the slow. register she's that slow <laughs> wow I can't believe I made a David Tell reference yeah, joke the, the way the David Tell joke goes she may be slow but that pussy isn't slow I thought it was them titties yeah well yeah uh, he, he's done both because another <laughs> version he did pussy too so you would know you're a bigger David Tell fan than yeah, I'll ever be the only reason I care anything about David Tell is because of you uh, yeah it's pretty much it's fucking fault yeah. Yeah. yeah you know who's uh, waiting very patiently for us to bring him on the line so he can actually talk with us is he fancy yeah he is fancy uh, how's it going buddy hello cinema psyops fellow garbage people finally a show where i can use the word fuck like some people use the word like yeah there you go you can use the word fuck here as if linda from <laughs> halloween uses the word like yeah fucking a fuck fuck fucking fuck fuck every time she says totally yeah every time she says totally is about how many times that you can say fucking fuck 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 <laughs> fucking excellent fuck, fuck, fuck. yeah that's how excellent it works. and if you use them they'll be fancy fucks <laughs> <laughs> wow you you just dove right in on that. really i had to i've been waiting <laughs> okay, to the next been, level we've been talking to each other now for like 10 15 minutes not to break the glass you know. oh you're you're pulling back the curtain <laughs> yeah, i had to pull back the curtain eddie but pay no attention to the man behind the curtain that man <laughs> is matt that is rapidly wanting to come out of the closet yeah that's definitely you well from behind the curtain <laughs> Is there a closet behind the curtain? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I've never been in the closet. Listen, man, if I were to come out of the closet, it happened a long time ago. I'm no good at keeping secrets. If I ever Especially came out, I would actually be destroying the closet <laughs> and burning it to have a signal fire to signal other gay dudes to come at me. <laughs> I'm right here. Come to me. Come into me. Clip. Clip. <laughs> All right. Now, our guest this week and for our end of 2017, thank you for this year finally being over. Let's start over with a new one. We're going to be doing The Thing. Now, the way that this got picked is this is the very first episode of Movie Stack Jenga. Now, what is Movie Stack Jenga, Matt? That is where we pile up movies into a tower and we keep pulling them out so it doesn't fall down or until it falls down. Right. And do you know what those movies are? Uh, No. That huge stack that we had to, that that Mark had to pull out? I didn't like read any. Those are all movies that I have bought and have not watched yet. Oh, wow. Hey. That's, that's the huge stack. We're going to take care of that movie stack yeah. moving forward. Now, so this will be new your, for you. Your Blu-ray budget is out of control, I got to say. <laughs> it's this is uh, a big stack of movies. Dude, if you could see his equipment in here. <laughs> He's just talking about my penis, that's all. Well, uh, you didn't buy I did. I, I did. I paid a lot of money for that. <laughs> Several plastic surgeons have made so this God pretty. So did deliver it, you just signed for it? <laughs> kind of. Kind of. I got tired of being a grower and not a shower. <laughs> Good luck. I just wanted to show what I, I had. I just want to show coconut juice. <laughs> Your silicone penis budget is out of control. <laughs> That's a clip, Mark. Clip, clip. <laughs> total clip. <laughs> oh, that's fucking great. Okay, so the idea is I have all these movies that I bought, and because I'm a fucking podcaster and because I do all the editing, yeah. I, I do all of the 
prep work and all the clips and all that shit. Yes, you I've, do all the work. I've never had any time to actually watch the movies that I want to watch for my own recreation. Yes. So all of these movies that have been piling up since we've started this cast. Yeah. Literally. The budget's not out of control, Mark. It's just been that long since I've been able to. Years of neglect. Exactly. <laughs> and the budget's out of control, but don't tell the wife. <laughs> Everybody be cool. Wait, wait. Okay. I thought we're, we're good. We're good. Yeah. Right, we're oh, fine, Jesus fine. Christ. Yeah, oh, my God. My heart skipped the beat. It's not like she can't tell. She can see the stack. I was about to say, it, if she couldn't, I may have let it slip to my wife in a loose lips moment. So your wife's going to know. What are you in the Trump cabinet? <laughs> <laughs> you can't keep a fucking secret over there? Listen, man, in your words, that's where I keep the vagina. And so she has all the power. Fair enough. <laughs> she wants to know answers. She's going to get answers. I don't think our audience has heard me use that phrase. No, I don't think so. But don't piss great. off my wife. That's where I keep my vagina. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's kind of misogynistic. It is, me. really, because it's not yours. It's hers. Right. She owns that. And she owns you because she owns that. Fair enough. <laughs> The only one I'm allowed to have access to. That's where it's kept. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> wow, we were so far off the fucking rails. Way off, man. All right. Goddamn, so, Fancy. What'd you do? What did, what did I do? Uh, did I uh, flip something in your drinks, perhaps? So, yeah, something came, from Colorado? You came storming uh, he did. in here naked. He, he did. So. He did. He, he dosed us with the Keef Cola from Colorado. Oh, yeah. <laughs> God, I'm hungry. <laughs> Here, eat this chocolate bar that he gave us. That'll make it better. Yeah. Yeah, that, that won't make it 10 times worse at all. It's a vicious cycle. You eat because you have the munchies and the marijuana meat food gives you more munchies. I mean, the worst, worst thing that's going to happen is if you go to work on Monday morning and you get a drug test. Dun, dun, dun. I'm very, like, I don't think I'd ever get a drug test unless I get an accident at my work. And because all I do is sit on my fat ass all day. That's not going to happen. You better watch your uh, joy with the stapler that you have when no one's looking. Yeah. <laughs> Ow. <laughs> Damn. That just sounds painful. It doesn't necessarily have to involve your penis, but if what you do with the I'm stapler in your cock man, is your I don't business. ever see a stapler. What am I, fucking Amish over here? <laughs> That's pretty old-fashioned. Yeah, fucking Jesus. I don't have a stapler. I just send it to OneNote and let it take care of it. <laughs> exactly. What the fuck, man? <laughs> All right, so before we get too much off the rails any further, yeah. and before we dig into quite possibly the greatest horror movie that was ever made by John Carpenter, yeah. <laughs> I don't have to qualify that no, with John Carpenter. Yeah. No, you don't actually have to qualify it with John Carpenter. This you may be the greatest you, horror movie that was ever made. Yeah. You Pure just leave and simple. it right there. Yeah. We're doing John Carpenter's The Thing. <laughs> yeah. Ah, good movie. And the reason that we're doing this is because Mark took a look at the stack and went, holy shit, dude, you haven't covered that yet? Why is that in the stack? Yeah, I'm like, I, you haven't watched this yet? I'm like, yeah, I just got the Arrow Blu-ray. So I guess that counts. I was more surprised that you hadn't covered it than that you hadn't watched the Blu-ray recently. Because that's <laughs> like, uh, it's just a go-to movie that I'll talk about any anytime. I'm kind of stingy with the movies that we cover. I wanted to get good at what we did before we started covering the like, movies that I truly the, love. Some of the true, true, true classics. Yeah. Of, I'm just yeah. now at the point where I feel comfortable with us doing things like the thing. <laughs> and I think you'd be surprised at how many times we've had a guest where maybe we've done a more recognizable movie and they've gone, I can't believe you haven't covered this yet. <laughs> Yeah. But we didn't want to like just blow our loads like right away, kind of like how our personal lives we do. Um, <laughs> that's that's uh, probably a smart move. <laughs> but just doing all like the classics right away. Yeah, basically what we did is we waited until we were able to afford the podcasting vasectomy. Yes. And now we're going to blow our loads now, all over the place. We, we got really good at our podcasting foreplay and now we're just going to dive into it. We've gotten so good that we've started doing the comedy routine where you completely ruin the thing yeah. and then you have to find a way to segue out of it and then repair 
merit. Yeah, I mean, we're challenging <laughs> ourselves now. That's our entire show now. Now, us we're, doing, now fucking we just up do and, a countdown to see if we can come by the end of it. <laughs> and fix it, yeah. <laughs> Soon we'll be doing tantric podcasting. <laughs> I'm one with the lamp. I'm one with the bush. <laughs> I am one with the mic arm. The mic arm is one with, with me. me. <laughs> Before we move too much further, though, oh. Fancy has his own podcast oh. that I'd like him to talk about. So oh. promote away, brother. Promote yourself, Fancy. It's called Fancy and Friends Podcast. The uh, easiest way to find this shit is the Facebook group. Go join that. You'll get all the information about that. The show itself is on SoundCloud and iTunes. It's mostly uh, audio commentaries, and we largely cover horror stuff. But my goal in 2018 is to cover some different stuff. Like, we did kind of the opposite thing, and I picked, like, all of my favorite movies for the first 18 episodes. And I'm like, all right, what else is there to talk about? And uh, so, yeah, my goal in 2018 is to cover some different shit like martial arts movies and action movies and stuff like that. Uh, I'm also working on an album, the first track of which you can hear on YouTube. If you find me over there, the panel is just called Fancy Mark. Uh, And it's sort of based on this movie that we're about to talk about. And it's sort of based on my hatred of uh, winter in general. And it's sort of based on some other stuff. But uh, go check that out. It's sort of made in the same uh, with the thing in mind, kind of. This is one of my favorite movies. So this this movie is it's creeping into my life in many ways. So yeah, go check that shit out. Court, Court was on the Night of the Living Dead episode, which was great. That was probably the best commentary I've ever done. Nice. <laughs> yeah. The, nothing against any of the other shows that I've been on, but it was a movie that we all respected. And I just basically completely nerded out. And just when I thought I was going to drop the ball and not remember something, mm-hmm. everybody else on the podcast picked that one up. Like we all had facts that we were throwing out. And since it was Night of the Living Dead and I've been to the cemetery and yeah. I know where a lot of the stuff was shot. Yeah. I was able to kind of throw in some some pieces of what's going on now. Of course, and, it's awesome. And all that. So it was it was a lot of fun. I highly recommend, Matt, that if you get the chance whenever he starts spinning up those commentary shows again that you, I'll get you volunteer on one. Yeah, I'll do that. <laughs> They're fun. I make them easy for people because I pick movies that probably everybody has seen like a, a zillion times and you, you get like some of the, you know. Now for commentaries, I, are you accepting of a full drunk person to be on there? That's kind of... I, Par for the course. Is, is that par for the? Okay, good. All right, no, yes. we're fine. <laughs> yep, that almost always works out perfectly. Okay, except for when I go back to listen to some episodes and I hear how drunk I am, <laughs> and I get I get a little bit embarrassed. So well, it's just uh, one just, of my rules. I have to be tank hammered to do a commentary. You don't have to be tank hammered. You just have to be able to drink. Yeah, that's, that's kind of that's your rule about too. everything. The yeah. birth, the birth of your son. Yeah, I got the be conception of your son. I got to be able to drink. The baptism I'm, of your son. I have to be able to drink. Your wedding. I have to be able to drink. Your second wedding. I have to, whoa did that happen already <laughs> yeah i must have been able to drink you, i can't you, remember it you, you renewed you renewed vows oh yeah we yeah, went cool, to vegas cool. remember yeah yeah no that was it was that after the collarbone or there, before the collarbone that, that was it before that was before the, i don't remember a lot before Marilyn monroe elvis and a couple of guys that were impersonating Wait, what I, I think may have Elvis? been the Blues Brothers. No, oh. Marilyn Monroe and Elvis tag teamed you guys doing the ceremony. That's weird. Not sexually. Oh, okay. Well, now it's was there, weird. Was there a Glenn Danzig song playing in the background when this was happening? Because if not, Mother. he's going to be pissed. Actually, no, because uh, Matt's not really a Glenn Danzig fan. However, if I were renewing my vows and my wife was down, there probably would be. Yes. <laughs> Mother. Is that Let's what? talk more, more about Marilyn Monroe and Elvis, that? two people he is very much obsessed with. <laughs> Particularly if they're tag teaming anything. Yeah. yeah. They make and pornos I have that are like that. Really? <laughs> 
portals. And they're dead. And they're de- Wait, are they dead in the portals? <laughs> yes. Okay. Well, the people pretending in, to be them are. Yeah. And Danzig's Wait, mind is definitely always dead, especially when they're tag teaming somebody. <laughs> All right. Well, speaking of tag teaming people. I have the most confused direction right now. <laughs> Clip. Speaking of that, too. Yeah. We're going to take a little break here. We will play a promo for Fancy's podcast. All right. We'll have some music from The Thing, and when we come back, we will play the trailer. Hey, everyone. It's Mark, also known as Fancy. I'd just like to invite you to listen to my show, Fancy and Friends Podcast. It's an audio commentary show where we talk about movies and uh, Scatman Crothers' dick. Danny, have you ever seen a man's penis? <laughs> I was just going to say that, but I wasn't sure. I was just away. Danny, it's like a baby's arm holding an apple. Yo, my bald head isn't the only thing I got that shines. Oh, 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 that's too much. You know what they call it? Come on, when I do it, it's too much, but... It's called the shining because of all the baby oil I'm going to put on your ass. Have you ever heard the term trouser snake, Danny? (laughs) (laughs) Introduce you to my black mamba. (laughs) (laughs) We've covered a lot of great movies on the show, such as The Shining, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Night of the Living Dead. And we've had a lot of really great guests on, such as Jeffrey X. Martin, Ryan Lewis, Duncan McLeish, Darren Wilson, Court Syop. Pretty much every episode, I get the pleasure of assembling like the A-team of podcasting, and we do feature-length audio commentaries for movies. You can find the show in the iTunes store, on Stitcher Radio, on SoundCloud, and on YouTube by searching Fancy of Friends Podcast. Just remember, folks, movies are always better with friends. time finding pieces of the Eno Morricone score that were actually recognizable because it hides in the film so well. <laughs> yeah, I would think so. I don't remember a score being really in the movie at all. Yeah, you could refer to it as minimalist if you, yeah. if you wanted to. It's not really a character in the film like it is in a lot of other Carpenter movies. Like, it really does, like, you put it best, it kind of hides under there and, uh, like, it serves, as, it serves a purpose, but it doesn't, like, stand out, which sometimes actually works a lot better than, like, a, you know, when music is absolutely driving every single scene. I think yeah. the only time you're really aware of it, as far as I can recall, is when you're aware of the presence of the actual thing. So it does live in the movie like the thing where you don't know where it actually is until it reveals itself. Yeah. <laughs> you just kind of stumble upon Thinking it. Thinking about it, yeah. I wonder if they, like they did that way intentionally that I would not put that past either Eno Morricone or John Carpenter. <laughs> I'm just saying. Yeah. You know what else I wouldn't put past John Carpenter? What's that? This trailer. It's so cold out. This is US Station 31. You read me? 
underappreciated film of the 80s as far as i'm concerned until much later when audiences like us found it either on vhs or tv or because it is an amazing movie yeah there's no there's no sense in trying to pretend like no one in this fucking studio right now doesn't love this film yeah (laughs) unless i pretend this was the first time watching it for any of us yeah i was kind of wondering possibly because this is one that you could maybe have not seen you know but i get it but no i've seen it i think that's the same thing with like a general audience thing this movie took forever to grow on people and like i like i definitely liked it the first time i saw it like there was a lot of negative uh reactions from film critics and like even the guy that directed the original thing from another world was like tearing into the carpenter when this thing first came out and it was like the most hated movie for a long time and has slowly kind of come back in style and people appreciate it a little bit more and yeah i'm stoked to be here talking about this beast it is definitely the type of film that uh let's just come right out and say it it is unappreciated because it was so far ahead of its time. It was doing things that no one was even prepared for. This film, if it would have come out doing the exact same thing that it was doing at the tail end of the 80s, right at the start of the 90s whenever horror was starting to die off, it would have blown people's fucking minds. Yeah. Anything John Carpenter, you're in for a good time. Yeah, pretty much. Because I, I, He's never really let me down, so. Even his worst films are still passable. <laughs> and he's... They're at least still fun. Yeah, in his later years when he started making movies, he's kind of fallen off because you can tell his give a fuckometer has fallen down. Yeah. <laughs> he just wants to be a rock star. He doesn't want to make movies anymore. He just wants to play Xbox on his time off and on his time on he goes out and tour with his son and a bunch of other musicians I think like most of them are the old Tenacious D band and they jam out some old fucking Carpenter tunes like he's an old ass man he's he's enjoying himself I honestly I kind of hope he doesn't make another like I, I think the new Halloween that's coming out is going to be his last hurrah as far as filmmaking goes and he's going to live out the rest of his years as a rock star so fucking that, that's pretty cool pretty sure that it's John Carpenter that has actually said that filmmaking and horror filmmaking in particular is a more of a young man's game you have to yeah. be hungry you have to be kind of angry he's comfortable now he's living a sweet life off of all the hard work that he's done at a much younger age and it's kind of and hard for him to, to. Find, yeah i'm not saying that it's just it's kind of hard for him to find that muse to do the horror i think yeah whereas him playing his hits and being able to connect with his fans in that way you know by playing some of the scores that he's written yeah or the scores of his films and stuff like that i mean that obviously is a better way for him to connect with his fans and i don't fault him for that at all if no. he ever came to omaha i'd be there in a heartbeat <laughs> pure and simple he was supposed to play Denver like when that first Lost Themes album came out and for unknown reasons it was the only show on that entire tour that got cancelled like three days before it was supposed to happen so I've, I was I was so fucking angry about 
about that and I have yet to see Carpenter live, but a lot, a lot of a lot of people we know have seen him and hopefully me, hopefully he does more tours, you know, before he hangs it up. Yeah, totally. Now that we have all of the love and adoration out of the way. <laughs> that you're done humping him. Go yeah. ahead. All right. So the film opens with white on black credits and silence. And then about a full minute into these credits, we get that amazing Eno Morricone score starting up where you hear just a slight bit of music where it starts creeping in. And every piece of music does this where it starts off very soft and then suddenly you're aware of it when it's already too late and it's been playing for quite a while. You can see that in all of the tracks yeah. if you look at them and just and you just hear it that way where it just sneaks up on you and all of a sudden the score is going. And after the score gets going, we then see what looks at first to be the night sky and then it turns out that we're actually looking at space from just outside the atmosphere of Earth and we see the stars in space and then a full-on fucking flying saucer. In space goes zooming past us on the front of the screen there and then enters into Earth's atmosphere. You can actually see it catching on fire as it's doing that. So that's why I'm assuming it's entering Earth's atmosphere. And then this burning then immediately goes into the title, which burns in the title John Carpenter's The Thing. And that is very reminiscent of the original thing from another world. It's like almost the exact same. And they achieved it by like setting garbage bags on fire, basically. Yeah, they weird. They built a box that was flam like yeah. flame proof or flame retardant, I guess you could say. And they shined lights into it. And that's where the thing, the actual words, the thing were. Nice. And then they set garbage bags and stretched it over top of it and then burnt them. And as they burn away, they revealed the light. Oh, <laughs> that's how they did it. Isn't that cool? Fancy. <laughs> Not, you, you know what I mean? <laughs> that's you're going to do that all the show, aren't you? No. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. So we see a placard saying that it is Antarctica in the winter of 1982. This cuts to a wide shot of a snow-covered mountainside. It almost looks like a cliff. And then we see a helicopter flying off in the distance. And then we come in closer and see the helicopter. It has markings that indicate it's Norwegian. You know how you can tell? You could read that. It said Norge. Oh, yeah. That's Norwegian. There you go. Yeah. I'm not sure what the letters, the J, whatever, KK, that just might be call signs for the copper. Crazy Norwegians. <laughs> There's two of them in this room. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Those two fucks. <laughs> That's us, you idiot. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right, so they appear to be hunting or at least trying to stalk something down and then we see what looks like a wolf running across the landscape and so at first you get the indication that they might be hunting a wolf from a helicopter which seems like really unfair and not very sporting. No, that's not, that's how the Palins like to hunt though. But they're really bad at it because they keep missing. Well, it's really hard to shoot from a helicopter. They were really Republicans because <laughs> yeah, they're, they're bad shooters and trying to use every unfair advantage to kill something. All right, so they're what looks like hunting a wolf from a helicopter and as we had mentioned earlier, they are terrible shots. They are not hitting a single thing. The wolf's doubling back and running around, or at least what looks like a wolf from this distance. I'm like, God, he's wasting an awful lot of ammo, man. And I tell my pilot, slow the fuck down, man. Can you just hover a bit? Here's the thing. You've got blades. Yeah. Point them at the goddamn thing. Yeah, if you're really trying to get a job done. Yeah, <laughs> chop the fucking thing up with the blades. Yeah. You know, that's all you got to do. They, they did it in Planet Terror. Yeah, right? <laughs> that has to work. They did if it, it happened in a movie, it has to be able to be possible. They did it with a fucking broken helicopter in Bava's Demons. Yeah. <laughs> you have seen that one. That's that was right. one of my birthday movies. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, it will work. Use the helicopter blades. Yeah. yeah. It always works. It always works. That's science. <laughs> 
The passenger continues to take the pot shots at the wolf and completely missing every time. And again, this just appears to be a wolf from this distance. And then we see a sign for the United States National Science Institute, Station 4. It's left on there long enough that even Matt can read it. Uh, yes, I can read. Thank you. <laughs> they cut from this to McCready playing computer chess. Then we see Wilford Brimley playing ping pong, things you would never think you would see. <laughs> a mustache list. Wilford, Wilford Brimley, Brimley playing that, ping pong. That was way more shocking to me. The thing that I found the most shocking was he was actually smiling. I've never seen that before. I know. Surprised he was up doing stuff. He was much more active in 1982. Yes. <laughs> well, the diabetes it's wasn't hitting him so hard. Before the cocoon took him. Um... <laughs> 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 like that one. <laughs> the computer gets a checkmate on Mac, so Mac pours his J and B scotch right into the access bay. Did that look like the part where you would pull out the memory? Stick? I think so. Like like the giant ones from back in the eighties yeah. that were like giant boards but on their own. Here's the thing: back then in the eighties, that thing must have cost like a cool like ten thousand dollars, and he just fried that bitch. I think it says like Chess Master two thousand on the front of it. So oh, maybe like, it's just a chess playing computer. Yeah, or something. that doesn't mean I, I, it's any cheaper. Yeah, I mean, then it means it's for recreation, which means it was probably $50,000. And in my notes, I literally wrote pouring the J&B into the access bay, frying what would have cost thousands of dollars. And by the way, more than that, that was a full glass of J&B, which if you're that far north, ain't that easy to come by. You're wasting alcohol. Somehow, I think you're more offended by the loss of the alcohol. What maybe the I am? The destruction of the computer. Every single time I see this the what I call the cheating bitch scene I have to wonder more like about because the computer voice is the only female presence in this entire movie it's voiced by Adrian Barbeau John Carpenter's ex-wife and uh, Kurt Russell pours a whole fucking thing of of JMB into it and calls it a cheating bitch is there some sort of like maybe accidental subtext going on here it's not accidental yeah I don't I did you just tell me that there's no way that's accidental it's john every, fucking carpenter there's it, no way something like that happens that yeah. it's, it's accidental yeah every time i watch a movie like this you have to think about like why every single scene is in this thing because this is like an an extremely crafted movie where like it doesn't it doesn't fuck about and waste a lot of time it, every single part of this has a purpose and there's a reason in there and you could make the argument that this is basically just setting up mccready's character that he's kind of like i don't know he's cynical uh he's uh, kind of a drunk and uh, I, I don't know th this kind of sets up his character but I also think there's kind of more a little more to it let's not mince words if it you end up in like Antarctica me. in the 80s on one of these expeditions where you're working in these stations chances are you're not the cream of the crop you're no. the people that just get sent there because you got nowhere else to go you know drunk sarcastic it's like me with all of that good looking baggage apparently or, or that, talent or, or the or, amazing beard yeah our amazing beard the thick mane of hair yep oh yeah that kick ass that part around. goes to the good-looking package the, the, the that I already sombrero. mentioned. Yeah, yeah. No, I understand. Thank you. <laughs> I had already that, mentioned all of that. Thank basically, you. if you put Wilford Brimley in the place of where Kurt Russell is, <laughs> that's you. Alcoholism and sarcasm. <laughs> a very different movie. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody wants to follow Wilford Brimley around. Not even Wilford Brimley wants to be around himself. <laughs> 
right, so we cut away from the cheating bitch and cut back to more wolf hunting action. And when we get a closer look, it turns out that it just happens to be one of those sled dog types. Uh, uh, Bondikes? What do they call those? Kodiaks? What what type of dog is that? Anybody? Anybody? Husky? Husky! There we go. No puppy? <laughs> Usually when we're referring to husky, it's a nice way of telling each other we're fat. That's why I didn't <laughs> want to think of that word. <laughs> Not fat, just a little husky. Yeah, see, I'm just a little husky. <laughs> just like my pants used to say when I was a boy, I'm not fat, I'm husky. <laughs> you remember those? Yeah. They were always the shitty fucking denim See, that nobody now, ever wanted to wear. Here's the thing. When I was actually younger, I was real thin, like really skinny. Uh-huh. I did I didn't get fat until, you know, I discovered beer. <laughs> Been fat my whole life. <laughs> There was like a brief period when I was starving and I had to buy my own food that I was thin. <laughs> <laughs> like from 12 on. Yeah. Oh, you okay? I'm good. I'm good. You all right? Yeah. yeah. yeah? Everything's okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm fine. Okay. Good, good. All right. <laughs> I'm opening up too much on the air here. All right. So they're back hunting the husky dog sled dog whatever you want to call it looks like a fucking wolf so you can call it whatever yeah it's a, it's, a, it's a husky yeah it's it's not husky it's just big bones <laughs> that husky is just the fur it makes him look fat it's actually a famous acting dog named jed who appeared in some other movies i'm sure he's got a fucking imdb somewhere probably has more credits of wilford brimley <laughs> <laughs> no People. man with all those commercials wilford brimley he's up top now yeah fair enough no eat your quaker oats and shut the fuck up <laughs> <laughs> Didn't he do Quaker Oats for a while? Yes, he yes. did. Yeah, there we go. Oh my the god, Quaker I totally forgot guy. about that. <laughs> like how the light bulb went off in your head. Yeah, when I was you like, realized oh, that's what yeah, I was making he did a reference all those to. Quaker Oats commercials. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> Everybody knows him as a diabetes guy. I know him as a Quaker Oats dude. <laughs> all right, so they're hunting the wolf, and at one point, the helicopter starts circling the camp, trying to make sure that the wolf doesn't enter in the camp or husky or whatever the fuck you want to call it. And that ends up drawing Max attention. He goes outside to see what's going on because you know it's not every day that a helicopter pilot encounters a helicopter in the Antarctic that he's not flying. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's pretty rare like, that what the hell? Pretty rare that you're going to encounter other people on the ass end of the earth that no one wants to live on because it's a far frozen fucking tundra. Yes, exactly. The, the place where the military send the fuck ups. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this kind of place. Where are my orders, Captain? You're going to Antarctica. Fuck, what did I do? <laughs> you found out about his wife, basically. Oh. Yeah, that's how that works. They got McCready's attention and then the other guys come running out to see. You hear Childs and the boys kind of question what the hell was that noise or whatever was going on. As the helicopter buzzes one more time and then we see that the Norwegians have now switched from rifles to hand grenades and they drop it too far away. Man, talk about fishing. Just <laughs> Dude, you gotta lead the fucking thing. If you're gonna drop I know. If you're gonna drop an explosive from a fucking helicopter, you, you gotta need lead. To, you gotta lead it. You this gotta... is before violent video games, so I mean, they just didn't have any practice. Oh, I knew back in 82 and I was a fucking child. Well, yeah, but you were a weird child. I wasn't weird. I was perfectly normal in the fucking encampment I grew up in. <laughs> No, seriously, you're right. We were we were freedom fighters, goddammit. We fought for our right to bear arms. Mm. And not like, you know, rifles, but to but wear the, sleeveless. Yeah, sleeveless. <laughs> God, I, was the, I was going the exact same thing. I'm fucking retarded. <laughs> so they completely mess with a hand grenade, which has a blast radius that you'd think you would be able to figure out to kill a fucking dog. But whatever, they're Norwegian and ashamed to their fucking supposedly master race. <laughs> 
<laughs> and God damn. So they finally just fucking give up and land. No group of people that you and I are part of should ever be called the master of anything. <laughs> <laughs> Unless it's the master of fucking up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. All right. So they finally fucking land and give up. And then they go after the fucking dog manually on the ground. One of the Norwegians just totally fucking butterfingers the grenade after he pulls the pin. Nice job. Like a shithead. fucking jackass. If you want to know what Matt's like in combat, that's him. <laughs> he three stooges it. <laughs> he totally does. It's butterfingers time. Oh my God. Yeah. And then he goes chasing after it after he drops it. No, no. Run it away. He yells at his buddy and oh, says, yeah. you get go a, get it. Yeah. Get it. Go away. I, I, and then he just goes after the dog with the rifle <laughs> oh, and just yeah, gives that's up. Right, that's right. That's right. And then his buddy goes digging into the snow like a fucking maniac trying to dig out frantically to get to grenade in time. But that obviously, was a poor attempt. That's not going to happen because, you know, it's a grenade going into a fucking snowdrift in the Antarctic. You're, you're fucked. You're not finding it. Yeah. Okay. So we then get our very first explosion of the film because he doesn't get there in time and it's a glorious explosion. The helicopter goes up. So we got one Norwegian down and one running after the dog and screaming at the Americans, who, by the way, don't speak Norse, so they have no fucking clue what he's saying. You know, for all these smart scientists, not a single fucking one of them know what's going on. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure that even the encampment of the Norwegians was supposed to be scientists too, right? Yeah. So maybe learn another language that might be down there? Well, and the, it would have gone the same exact way if he had been speaking English. So, I mean, think about it. Like, you're just chilling at your camp and this crazy fucking Norwegian comes in and says, get away from that dog. It's a goddamn space alien that's going to infect you and imitate you. you. You'd think he was a crazy nut and you'd fucking throw him in a closet with handcuffs or some shit. Like, you wouldn't, you wouldn't take him seriously and you wouldn't let him kill the fucking dog, probably. Alright, look, you don't know my life, Mark, so don't you fucking judge what I would and would not I'm do. I'm not saying you necessarily, but the, you <laughs> know, you the, judge the average the person. I say when I enter a room as just being crazy <laughs> or a camp, <laughs> just because we're Norwegian. Jesus. God damn. <laughs> fucking. Maybe we're not all fancy, but God damn it, we get the job done. He's got a point, though. Yeah. He's not wrong. He's not wrong. Yeah. I just need to felt the need to yell. If someone comes charging at me with a rifle, my, my very first thing that I'm going to do is, is yeah, no draw matter what he's saying. Yeah. I'm a red blooded American in yeah. the middle of America. I mean, in the middle of America, now you just expect if they have a rifle coming at you, they're just saying, Trump this, make America great that. It used to be that they worked at the post office and they weren't happy about it. Now yeah. it's just, they're a white guy with a rifle, look out. Yeah. God damn it. It's the fucking truth. At least they used to wear postal uniforms and now they just, they fucking blend in. <laughs> All right. So the Norse guy is taking some more shots of the dog, but he ends up hitting one of the boys in the leg, which I believe is Bennings. And it looks like he gets him really good, but we find out later that he was just grazed. But he's actually shooting at the dog because Bennings is getting licked by the dog. The dog is all up in Bennings grill, yeah. loving him strong. Oh no. Yeah. That's not good. He's shoving the tongue that was probably just licking his ass only moments before right up into Benning's fucking mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Usually Matt pays double for that kind of action. If you're in Vegas, I yeah. mean. <laughs> Wait, you don't remember, remember? No, I don't. Re oh yeah, nothing. Ha what? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> fucking dollar mode. After that one shot, everyone else goes scrambling while Benning's is just laying on the ground kind of screaming because let's face it, he just fucking got shot well, by a Norwegian. Well, then someone gave him a bottle of booze. Hang on, it's not, oh, we're not I'm there sorry. yet. God, right, damn it. God damn it. Everyone is scrambling while Gary breaks out the window. They're in the fucking Arctic, so 
That was smart. Breaking out a window in the abode that keeps you from freezing when it gets to like 100 below. Way to go. You've made that room useless. You're a fucking idiot, Gary. God fucking God damn it, Gary. Leave the building and come to where the guy is and then just take your pot shots. No, I can't do that. That's not safe. There's a lot of windows being broken for no reason when it's like 100 below in these places. it's fucking ridiculous in this movie. (laughs) How many windows they're breaking in the fucking Arctic. And doors they're bashing in. Shit. Yeah, I mean, they go to the outside. We're yeah. not talking about obs- yeah, observation. Yeah, the inside doors. Here. I'm talking about outside doors. Yeah. What the fuck, man? <laughs> it never bothered me until I did it for the review. <laughs> and then I'm like, holy shit, you guys Same are here. stupid. Same here. I mean, I'm watching this. I'm like, the fuck are you guys doing? <laughs> I know you're panicking, but for Christ's sakes, yeah. you will freeze to death before you can do anything about your situation. Oh my God. That bullet froze on his way to shoot the guy, Gary. <laughs> Well, anyway, Gary pulls off one really amazing shot and puts the one right in the Norwegian's fucking eye through the goggles. You dead, bitch. Not going to be talking about any more shit about Gary. He can break all the windows he wants with that kind of crack shot. No, he can't, dude. I don't fucking care. And he has like a 357 with like a start barrel at like 500 yards or some shit. Like he he was not shooting with the ideal gun like out into the Antarctic winds for fuck's sake. No, he's taking pop shots with a snub nose 38 special basically. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And I'm not talking about the band. I'm talking about the actual gun the band took its name from. Yeah. Which is not known for being the most accurate handgun. No. (laughs) It's a shooting guys in the belly kind of gun. Yeah. And he's just from three inches away and you still miss. And he's just sitting there spraying just lost out a from a window game. he just fucking broke. Yeah. But anyway, Gary pulls it off and not only puts it one in the brain pan, but puts it through the fucking goggles and through the eye of the Norwegian. That was pretty impressive. Yes. He falls down dead, twitches a little bit, but you know, that's mostly just nerves firing as he's dying. So we're all good. The Norwegians have definitely exited we're, the film. We're all good. Everyone's good. How's it looking, guys? Oh, we're only down to three windows now, so we're fine. Everything's fine but here. Thus ends the prequel. Yeah, no kidding. But let's not talk about that. We'll just pretend like that doesn't exist at all. Yay! (laughs) (laughs) Not that it's horrible, it just doesn't really need to fucking exist. Uh, Oh, there's a prequel to the movie? No. Yeah. No? Did you you not hear me? I'm sorry, you're right. (laughs) Holy God. All right, so after the Norwegian has been put down, that's when people start getting brave and checking out what's going on, and Mac ends up scrambling on over to Bennings, handing him that J&B bottle that Matt was so excited to talk about. Well, yeah, because then he's happy as shit. He's like, yeah, I'm fine. <laughs> that's Antarctic first aid right there. Because uh, uh, McCreeny <laughs> comes running up to him and goes, you all right? And he got the bottle. He goes, yeah, I'm fine, whatever. After he hands him the bottle, yeah, he's totally fine. And so both Norris and Mac, first they after checking on Bennings and then dropping the bottle off with him to basically ease his pain. They go after the helicopter and then we see a bunch of other guys running out with fire extinguishers. But I just want to point out that they're in the Antarctic. They're on ice. What's going to catch on fire? Are they trying to salvage stuff? Yeah. They're using CO2 extinguishers. Which, which is basically cold air. Wouldn't that just freeze? Yeah, those those don't work at like 40 or 50 below. Hey, will you stop trying to make real science happen? Just science! <laughs> All right, you can stop being a fucking Republican and let the man <laughs> fucking talk. 
We're not censoring science on this show. <laughs> You're triggering everybody. I don't give a shit. We're not fucking censoring science on this show. <laughs> okay, so basically at that temperature and whatever, they're they're not going to really be doing much of anything. Even compressed air wouldn't work because wouldn't that just start dropping at the huge drop in temperature too? You would think. Yeah, so <laughs> I never understood that other than it looks good and most people wouldn't question it. And I'll tell you the truth, I never fucking did till we did this review. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, I mean, it worked. They shot it in fucking British Columbia when it probably was 30 below and really really set shit on fire and really let the actors put it out. So, I mean, it it worked that time. (laughs) Yeah, it must not have been 100 below. Although the ambient temperature in the air from the fire might have made it warm enough to where it actually does work, so it was functional, but it seems rather impractical as it's supposed to be sitting on ice, right? I think it just yeah. gives the actors something to do to interact with the tragedy that just befell them. When John Carpenter said one of the big challenges of this thing was that the cast is like about like eight or ten people or something, and they're all like largely standing around in rooms talking about shit. So like, how do you film that and make that interesting when you have so many different people on the screen at one time? So this is a fine example. You get you give them something to do. Exactly. You you have a task at hand that they have to complete while they're talking about how fucked they are that this task isn't going to work. <laughs> Essentially. All right. So Norris and Mac are checking on the helicopter and the rest of the guys finally arrive. Did you guys notice that Mac starts kicking snow at the fire? Yes. I didn't know if anybody else noticed that. First time I noticed it too. And I'm going to probably credit that to the Arrow 4K scan Blu-ray that I have. Yeah. Majestic. It's It's worth it. Beautiful. If you got a region-free player, import the Arrow Blu-ray, guys. It's totally worth it. Plus, uh, our boy Goro, who uh, did the voice for our Cinema PsyOps with Court and Matt, has a fucking commentary on that disc. Nice. Yeah. With with Mike from the projection booth? Huh. Yeah. No kidding. I don't know how they secured that. Lucky bastards. (laughs) Yeah. I think Mike probably somehow that secured away. (laughs) And it's not luck. He just works his ass off. Yeah. Ian too or uh, El Goro as he's known he puts out like Duncan McLeish levels of fucking podcasting material alright so they shoot up the flames with the fire extinguishers putting that all out and then as this is happening we see Clark touching the dog trying to comfort it like an animal lover normally would where he walks up to it and if you listen very carefully before he even approaches it he starts saying easy to the dog like in that kind of soothing tone like easy easy and then he reaches down to pet the dog and once it accepts the first pet then he kind of kneels down and kind of puts his arm around the dog to soothe it and starts scratching at its chin and stuff like that and the dog looks like it totally loves him right off the bat. Yeah. Clark runs the kennel. That's clearly his job. So like I wonder almost if he thought like at first maybe one of his dogs got loose and then realized it's like a totally different dog or something but that that's like his whole character is he's the, the animal guy. He's a little bit like separate from the rest of the group because he connects more with the animals so he's the first one that Blair you know spoiler alert points the finger out later. Well everybody is going to be listening to this is probably seeing the film and if you haven't go back and fucking watch it because Jesus fucking Christ why are you listening to this fucking show without watching it <laughs> yeah really come on it's the thing it's John Carpenter's the thing you have to have seen it by now really do we even have to fucking talk about it can we just just gloat about how amazing it is I think it's Miller time by now <laughs> yeah really <laughs> alright folks we'll see you next week have a happy new year happy new year everyone alright show's over <laughs> No, 
I pulled all the clips and I did the notes. Let's uh, just, let's uh, just you want to keep it. going? Yeah, let's just go. You did do a lot of work. Let's go. <laughs> a lot of fucking work on give, this one. Give it some work, champ. It's, it's John Carpenter's the thing. We it gotta is, show of it course. some respect. Show some fucking respect. Clark's soothing the dog, and the fire is finally out. Max says the infamous line that everybody loves to say: "The first goddamn week of winter." They cut from this too. Doc Cooper stitches up Benning's leg, and that leads to our very first clip in the film. Oh come on! Four stitches, barely grazed it. What were they doing flying that low, shooting at a dog, at us? Mm, Stir crazy. Cabin fever, who knows? U.S. number 31 calling McMurdo. Come in, over. U.S. number 31 calling McMurdo. Urgent. Come in, over. Great. Come on, come on. Nobody. Nobody. Get a hold of somebody. Get a hold of anybody. We gotta report this mess. Look, I haven't been able to reach shit in two weeks. I doubt if anybody's talked to anybody on this entire continent, and you want me to reach somebody. Maybe we had war with Norway. I was wondering when El Capitan was gonna get a chance to use his pop gun. How long have they been stationed there? It says here only eight weeks. Well, that's not long enough for guys to go bunkers. Bullshit, Bonnie. Five minutes is enough to put a man over down here. Damn straight. I mean, look at Pong. He's been the way he is since the first day. How many in their party? We started with ten. There'd be eight others left. How do we know? Guys as crazy as that could have done a lot of damage to their own before they got to us. Nothing we can do about that. Oh, yes, there is. I want to go up. In this weather? Bennings? Winds are going to let up a tad next couple of hours. A tad? Can't condone it much myself, but it is a short haul. An hour there, an hour back. Shit, Doc, I'll give you the lift. No problem. Forget it, Palmer. Hey, thanks for thinking about it, though. Loaded with kerosene. I count 15 cans. McCready! Mac, get your gear on! Mac, it may not clear up for a week. Yeah. And we're the closest ones to him. It's all right by me, Doc. I'm just letting you know we're, we're taking a chance. Quit the griping, McCready. Those clouds keep moving over the sun, we're going to get a whiteout. We get caught in that, you can scratch one doctor and one pilot. This is real thin. It'll clear as soon as you get up. It's up to you, Mac. If you don't want to fly, we don't fly. You really want to save those crazy Swedes, huh? Norwegians. Which way, Doc? Southwest! I'm going to have to read the map because I'm going to be busy. Max really taking it up, huh? He knows what he's doing. Like to thank you for considering at least, Doc. Yeah. <laughs> Might be my favorite fucking Palmer line. <laughs> well, after this, we see the dog hiding under the pool table as Mac and the Doc take off in the helicopter to go check on the Swedes, I mean Norwegians. Later at the camp, Nulls is blaring what may be the finest Stevie Wonder song ever written, Superstition. Very superstition. You're not supposed to sing it, but okay. All right, sorry. And apparently Bennings is having trouble sleeping because of the <laughs> blaring Stevie TV Wonder Song. Can you not do that, please? I got shot today. <laughs> he is so fucking whiny. He is. I mean, yeah, he got That's shot. That's a good I, song, man. Jam out to it. You got shot. I know it's like you can't sleep because it's really fucking loud, but you don't have to be a complete bastard about it. <laughs> and I love that the song's so loud in the actual kitchen that Nalls can barely fucking hear him over the intercom. Exactly. Like, you can't hear him in the intercom. All you hear is... Then he turns him up. <laughs> no, he doesn't. That's the thing. Right after he, he agrees... To turn he, it down. He agrees to turn it down, but what he does is he does a ghost fake out where he yeah. fakes out the stereo oh, yeah, yeah. as if Bennings can see him reach for it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's like his way of going, well, I tried to turn I it tried down. tried to turn it down. My hand missed. <laughs> it's such a fucking childish thing to do. And I got going to do. doing other things. <laughs> I got busy making food to keep your fat ass eating. <laughs> you see your shot and it'll help you heal up, you see? All right. So he just basically does the fake out, sweeping his hand in front of it. And then we see a camera shot of the lab and then a very fantastic wide angle shot of the lounge where it's just kind of all peaceful and empty. And they're just kind of establishing that this entire facility is empty and everyone's asleep or 
or in their respective quarters or whatever's going on and you don't see anything. And then we end up seeing the dog coming through a door and then start wandering through the hallway. And then he goes into someone's room. We only see them in silhouette. The head turns and looks down at the dog and then we fade to black. You guys notice that there's several parts in the movie where whenever a segment is done or whenever a portion of the story is over with, it fades down to black. Yeah. I kind of thought that that was always TV and I never noticed it in the film before doing it for the review. And now I notice that there's a lot of fade downs to black like it was TV. Star Wars did that a lot. The original ones where they did a lot of fade downs to next scenes where <laughs> it was very what you did in TV like. Well, it's also a cheaper transition that you can do in the 80s and it's easier to do with yeah. film than the cross dissolves and all that because that costs money. Yeah. Every cross dissolve costs you hundreds and hundreds of dollars to get that processing done at the lab. Mm-hmm. Whereas now you can just click a button on your fucking Final Cut Pro or your Adobe mm-hmm. Premiere yeah, and, yeah. and you got it no problem. So you can get all fancy with that. You know, that's how it works. But now, you know, at this time in the 80s, you you had very few options where you could do the cutting. Yeah. But I think in the case of Star Wars and also in John Carpenter's The Thing, I think it's very deliberate. And I think it's making reference to the Old Republic serials where you would have the segments of the story fade out. Yeah. And then what will happen to the boys? What's going on with the dog going into that man's room? Find out next week. The Those same time, are causing trouble. same channel, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, that was like the first transition that they knew how to do was the fade out. So like, I mean, you didn't you didn't have cross dissolves and shit in the early days of film. So that's uh, it's definitely a stylistic thing falling back to the old days. I personally love the irises where you actually see the, the camera being closed up where the light doesn't get through to expose the film anymore. And then they just kind of like have an iris in and then it sh- it'll focus in on one thing and then go completely black. I love those from the old like black and white side films when you see those but you're absolutely right that's one of the earliest transitions is to just fade out well, i cut from this to mac pilots his way to the norwegian's camp which is burned out and annihilated it looks like vegas after matt left i don't recall what you're saying <laughs> that's probably good keep that up with the lawyers too fucking collarbone man <laughs> Doc and Mac go poking around the, I, I don't know how else to refer to this, but I wrote it in my notes as the husk of the building. <laughs> it's like, what's left? Yeah. <laughs> it's it's rotten and it just looks foul and it's really well shot. Uh, it, it's been long destroyed. You can actually see where there are embers and things that have been basically burnt out where it's just like charred uh, support beams or like window frames or door jams or like a, a wall that collapsed and had been burned up. And then it's clearly frozen over top of that. So it's it's been at least, I don't know, a day because it's a fucking Arctic, so everything freezes over, but <laughs> things have settled down enough to where everything's frozen solid, at least. Uh, they end up finding a locked door with a bloody axe sticking in it, which is definitely not a good sign, but these two are not swayed in any sh- way, shape, or form if they can save any lives. It's barricaded in some way, shape, or form. Mac goes to the other side of the axe to get a little leverage and shoves his way through to the door into the room, which has huge gaping holes from the outside leading in and everything in there is frozen solid. That's good. Yeah. The doc finds blood leading to what appears to be a frozen body. They come around to take a look at it. This body has slashed its own wrist and there is a large gaping wound across the entirety of the throat. Borderline Colombian necktie. Kinda. The most haunting thing about this, however, is the blood icicles forming off of each of the wounds from down the throat and then out of each 
wrist hitting down to the ground, almost like stalactites and stalagmites or, or like the icicles you would have coming off your house in winter, yes. but it's made out of blood. Ooh. Ever since I was a kid and I saw this every fucking time that affected me and still seeing it to this day, seeing the frozen you've blood been like trying that. trying to add that as your Christmas decorations for all these years? Oh, that would be so glorious. <laughs> the look of frozen blood. This guy needs to be a figure. Yeah. You know, this needs to be one of the things that Something they need to Something you put do. on a tree. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Something you show to little kids and be like, be good or else this will happen to you. Yeah, right. Yeah. That's, you know, how it works. That's what Krampus it, will give you. It's fucking grotesque and just a couple of shots like conveys an entire scene of what happened, which I'm, I'm I don't remember, but I'm pretty sure they explain in the stupid fucking prequel. But it, it's better left to your imagination. What exactly happened to this guy and how he came to be like this? You keep mentioning this thing that we do not speak of, Mark. <laughs> Damn it. A pre what are you talking about? Star Wars prequels? No, or? Oh, no okay. we also aren't going to talk about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm, yeah. But I have the high ground. <laughs> Whatever. Fun fact about this set. It's actually the other base set after they fucking blew it the fuck up at the end of the movie. Yeah, so they shot it after they did the end of the movie sequences, right? Yeah, so it's a, it's a lot of order, but it's the exact same set as the American set, only burnt the fuck down. At least some of the shots that are where you can see like some of the exterior, it's the yeah, burnt it's, up set. Well, and you would think that these kind of things would be like a shake and bake colony where you just kind of drop them down into the ice, you know? <laughs> Yeah. Because it's literally built into the ice in the Antarctic because that's all you have down there. It's a continent of ice. <laughs> that's it. Very little land. Yeah, be cheap and light. You're going to get it all the fucking way to Antarctica and plop it down for whatever purpose this outpost is, you know. I was going to ask you guys that. Do you know, do, what, what, what the hell are they doing at this base? Are they conducting weather experiments? Are they raising sled dogs? Is it military? I have the feeling that the crew that is there currently where Mac and the boys are, are like a failed military <laughs> operation where it's like the worst and they just get left behind I think the Norwegian outpost is definitely scientific and we have reason to believe that because of things that we'll be talking about here in a moment. Right. But, but I, I'm pretty sure that like, I mean, nobody, uh, nobody in Max fucking area and like windows, none of those guys, maybe Doc Cooper and, uh, and Blair are like the two scientists. Sir, Everybody else is just there to keep them alive. Sir, <laughs> we, uh, we still have this empty shack up in the middle of nowhere in Antarctica. We do. Yeah. We should feel that. Give me that fourth division fuck ups and put them up in there for a few months. This is what we happened wouldn't... to the guys that did MK Ultra. <laughs> they got <laughs> banished to the Antarctic. Well, at some point, somebody was afraid that the commies were going to march across fucking Antarctica and get them, so they decided to plop a little, you know, shake and bake fucking military outpost and well, send all the, the fuck-ups. They're worried about the commies doing it. Yeah. Yep. Like I said, that sticks with me completely with the guy having the throat slashed and then his wrist slashed open. Very little of that is actually cut out in the TV version because I think the only thing that I remember remember being cut out of the TV version is you don't see the actual slash across the throat. You just see the after effect where the blood's pouring down. Yeah. And to me, that's way more grim than the wound because <laughs> you know that that person sat there until the blood froze. It's just really, really grim. All right. So they continue the search through the burnt out husk of a building that is the Norwegian's camp as they find paperwork on the ground and Mac refers to it as a portable video recorder or a portable video player or something like that. But it's just a portable VCR, which kind of cool. A VCR enough fucking suitcase. And so they gather up all of that stuff and the remaining paperwork because they want to try and find out what's going on. And they end up finding a huge fucking ice block that has clearly had something cut out of it in the roughly shape of a humanoid because it has the length and width of what a normal person would be. Yeah. Or something living. You something know. like that. It, you think maybe they found
found a caveman that's frozen in there or something like that when you first see it you're not really sure but it's definitely something not good and then as they're exiting through that particular storage area where that huge block of ice is they happen upon some form of twisted heavily burnt creature that is also humanoid in nature and they are both clearly <laughs> very very disturbed yeah. at what they are seeing and I think you hear the doc keep repeating something like is that a man is that a man is that a man or something along those lines yeah, like, is like that, that human is that a man something along those lines and then Mac pulls his shit together and says let's find a shovel or let's find me a shovel or something like that and then they cut from this to the helicopter flying back to the US camp and then it's landing with the dog watching from the window so that dog that came running in from being chased by the Norwegians is still Roman free in there and the dog actually looks like it's kind of concerned about the helicopter landing there it's a little weird but we don't find that out until later as to maybe why we then see all the men grouped together and start unloading what I'm assuming is the body of the creature that looks humanoid from the helicopter and then we get a great tableau of all of them attempting to process this horribly misshapen thing that's in front of them on the autopsy table the camera lingers on this fucking effect and even though it's just sort of like a sculpt of something that's supposed to be dead and frozen and you're just looking at it it's still horrific and it still holds up for being absolutely horrifying it is just absolutely terrifying and I have to credit each of the individual actors playing it on their face. You kind of see their brains like just kind of throwing errors out left and right where they cannot process the thing that they're seeing. And you just have that very Lovecraftian horror where each individual person, I think the only person that really keeps it together is Blair where he's like, whatever it is, I'm going to fucking find out what this thing is. Yeah. But everybody else, like including Mac, like Mac who has been keeping his shit together. McCready's just, he's checked out at this moment because this is like nothing anyone has ever seen and they're all alone and this is something they're going to have to do with themselves suddenly their isolation feels like the worst fucking idea feels you could ever even have more isolated than yeah. before yeah they're completely fucked and the only people that are going to get them out of this is them we then focus in on mac at the very end of this scene and then we see a sort of growing paranoia because as he looks at the thing that's on the table he then starts looking around at each of his individual co-workers or people that are also at this outpost and it looks like he's starting to suspect something's going on with each of them in some way shape or form they cut from this to the dog that was being chased by the Norwegians and then we cut to Gary and then we see a sleeping windows. Gary wakes him up and starts chastising him about falling asleep and not trying to get anybody on the radio even though he says that he hasn't reached anybody in weeks and he probably never will. Gary essentially tells him to stick to it. I believe the exact words he's looking for are, God damn it you lazy fuck, you have one job, now do it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I think so. Yeah. They cut from this to autopsy time as Blair gets hands-on digging into the finest practical effects you will probably ever see in a horror flick. Oh my god, that is... Yes, grizzly. Those are actual guts, but when he cuts away the skin and starts handling them the way that they doctored them up to look like they did, Uh like they probably shot them up with nitrogen to make them nice and red and everything. So fucking glorious. This film has the finest practical effects you will probably ever see. I don't think we're ever going to get to something this good again for practical effects. Just not going to happen. And while he's digging through the guts, that leads us to our next mini clip. Nothing wrong with this Norwegian, physiologically anyway. No drugs. No alcohol, nothing. Well, what we got here is what appears to be, anyway, a normal set of internal organs. Heart, lungs, kidneys, liver, intestines. Seem to be normal. Door number two, 
and door number three. And I think that um, Don's screen here has got the one that's trade in the most. I went to you first. You brought your friend Anna. You've been consulting Anna all through the show. Anyhow, you may as well consult her one more time. I don't know how this one ends. Clark, will you put this mutt with the others where he belongs? Yeah, okay. Okay, so after this, Clark puts the new dog in with the other dogs. It lurches down and forward out into just in front of the door on the cage and then hunches down as if it's intimidated or doesn't know what to do with the other dogs. Clark lingers for a moment whenever the dog hunches down amongst the other dogs just to kind of make sure that there are no issues, that they don't all just start trying to attack them or whatever before shutting out the light and just kind of leaving behind the dogs and just chilling out. What follows Ooh, horrific is a horrific transformation. And I don't know exactly how to describe this. So I, I, just as I wrote it in my notes from my stream of consciousness, the face of the new dog peels away like a hell flower. That's cracked cracks open like a crab. Yeah, it's fucking horrific. There's blood pouring out of it, and then the skull falls away, leaving a tongue that starts forming out like a tendril from this, but the teeth stay in place, and then the other portions of the the skull are there. It's just really fucking grotesque, and it still holds up for me. I think this is probably one of the most horrific things you'll ever see. Oh my god, it's terrible. And I know it looks like a puppet to a lot of people, and I know you can tell where the effect is and what's happening. You can see the lines and all the stuff before it happens, but you know what? Fuck off. It's amazing. It's amazing. It's so fucking cool. All right. So one of the dogs starts trying to chew its way through the wire cage or the wire enclosure, the wire, like chain link fence thing. And it's actually pulling pieces of the wire free and chewing its way out as the beast starts shooting out more and more of these tendrils. And then the tongue becomes this giant fucking tendril. And then we see what looks like either cockroach legs or crab legs or something similarly disgusting and awful just shoot out of the fucking dog to try and stabilize it while it's doing this. <laughs> And I wrote in all caps, nightmare fuel. It pretty much is, yeah. <laughs> it's fucking horrific. Like, I've seen this, oh, I can't even count how many times I've watched John Carpenter's The Thing, and every time, those legs pop out, and I go, whoa! <laughs> it's me every <laughs> fucking time. Yeah, it's just not right. <laughs> it's like, it's like Guy from fucking Galaxy Quest. I'm like, oh, oh, that's not right. <laughs> <laughs> right, so the dog chewing at the wire is hushed down by, again, I don't know how to describe this, but it looks like amniotic fluid of some sort. <laughs> It's like this foul, awful substance, like this thick. It's a, it's a beat around the bush. It shoots some fucking ropes at this dog. <laughs> oh. Some hot ropes of alien guzz all over this poor dog. I'm sure it was made of like gelatin or fucking KY jelly or something that's safe, but it looks like it's shooting a fucking hot load all over this dog. Clip. <laughs> I was waiting. <laughs> yeah, it looks kind of like that. That's why I said amniotic fluid because I didn't want to be a clip, but it's this foul, awful substance that every teenager boy has to find a t-shirt to hide it in or stuffed animal or stuffed animal or uh, tube sock, tube sock yeah. <laughs> something that you can sneak into the laundry when the parents aren't looking as a kid oh god <laughs> or you hide in the back of the closet <laughs> or you throw underneath your bed forget about do you move out five years later <laughs> Uh, and it's fossilized. <laughs> it's firm enough to be a fucking stone that you can actually use to fight crime. Cut glass with. <laughs> yeah. It's it's diamond encrusted cum. Oh God, <laughs> is, that, is that a clip? That's a clip. Yeah. Oh God, I, I feel really nauseous now just talking about all that awful stuff. <laughs> 
Okay, we're good. We're good. The dog gets knocked off by these awful substance as Clark comes back to try and check on the dogs and see what this noise is. As soon as he opens the gate to look in because it's pitch black and he can't get the light to come on, two of the fucking dogs knock him on his fucking ass just to run away from this shit. He ends up seeing that the tendrils are coming out from the cage at him, which he then kicks the door shut to basically hit the tendrils and keep them from getting out of the cage and reaching him. They withdraw from, I guess, what might be pain from what happened there. Probably. He has to hit him a couple of times and then it completely withdraws. He's able to latch the fence again, but then he just stands there with the grate that the tendrils could just come through at him, which really fucking irks me, even though I know nothing's going to happen right now. Yeah. Every time I'm like, get the fuck away from that. (laughs) (laughs) You idiot. They cut from this to Mac in the kitchen getting food as he hears the horrific sounds of the dogs barking and howling and all of the awful painful noises. Then he breaks some glass and pulls the fire alarm, but honestly, who puts glass around a fire alarm like that? Well, they used to always have it like that. Where it was always glass? Yeah, back in the 80s. I remember there was a... Pull it. There was was like a trigger thing that my school had where you had to push in. Yeah. You had to specifically push in and then pull down on the fire alarm. And I remember like having the the fire alarms used to have glass around them just so people had to go through the the whole extra thing to make sure it was totally serious. But, okay, in case of emergency, break glass. But then you have broken glass around so you have an emergency and very sharp objects. Well, that's why you better not just be pulling it just to pull it. Fair enough. Clip. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So the alarm sounds and this obviously draws attention from everybody. But as anybody does when they hear a fire alarm and they just want to fucking lay around and do nothing, they're all like, what the hell? What's going on? What's up with the alarm? And they're just kind of looking around. Even Palmer's like, what's up? What's this all about? And he's barely even out of his fucking door. Um, the men then rush to the cage as they get an inclination of what's going on and Clark says that whatever this is it's weird and pissed off this is something that Carpenter has used in a couple of different movies (laughs) and actually I believe that's how the Wraith was described too is that not wrong Matt whatever it's weird whatever it is it's weird and pissed off yeah something like that yeah (laughs) anytime you can't describe something it's It's just weird weird and pissed off off. (laughs) that goalie was sure pissed off about something man (laughs) alright so all of the men rush in as Max sends Bennings get Childs in the flamethrower. And so Bennings goes running up to Childs, telling him that they need the flamethrower. They proceed to the dog's cage and see a misshapen dog-like monstrosity. It's like half-formed. It looks like a rejected, like, beetle mistake. <laughs> Kinda, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, ugh. <laughs> oh my. It's, just, it's just horrific looking. Yeah. It's misshapen. It has no hair on it. It looks like a mangy, like, it looks like a cross between, like, a mangy dog with a genetic disorder and, like, a disposition fetal tissue. <laughs> it looks something Kinda. like that, yeah. Um, as soon as it looks at them, it fucking shrieks, and then your balls proceed to shrink up inside of your body when you, you see this and hear it. It's horrific. It's all bad. Nothing good. It reaches out to what looks like a half-dissolved dog because it's, like, kind of green and yellowish and looks like it's covered in bile and some other things. And so that's just fucking gross. All gross, so bad. Yeah, with a, dun- a bunch of fucking tendrils as if it's going to try and copy the dog again and they had interrupted it. And then the men men open fire on it with their guns and they end up blasting one of the dogs that's in the corner with tendrils sticking into it but it's not completely dead yet which sends Clark into a rage grabbing the gun from Max screaming no 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 and pulling it out of the way then some claw laden arms it's like three fingered clawed hands on these really muscular not very human kind of lizard like arms pop out of the back of this creature Ugh. <laughs> 
And if that's not horrific enough, they grow really, really fast, really, really huge, break through the fucking roof where of the cage that it's in, and then start trying to do this pull-up to pull it up and out through the roof. When Childs finally arrives with the flamethrower, he's standing there staring at it for a moment going, what the fuck in horror? Mac even yells at him like, fucking burn it, burn it, or some shit like that. And the guy with the fucking uh, flamethrower is just standing there staring at it. Yeah, Childs, he's just horrified, which wouldn't you be? You know, what, yeah, what are you going to do? Yeah, it just it just launched an escape pod up into the fucking ceiling that looks like a goddamn scorpion. This thing is all like crab legs and eyeballs and teeth and tendrils and just awful. It is H.P. Lovecraft's wet dream pulled up into the corner of this fucking cage. Big blob of fucking bad. <laughs> a shitload of fucking globular nightmare is what this thing is. <laughs> well, all of a sudden, the thing grows like what looks like a tooth flytrap uh, appendage. It's almost like a cock with a flytrap appendage at the end of it that goes hurling towards Childs. And being the manly man that he is, he'll have nothing like that coming at his face. So he finally fires off the fucking flamethrower and cooks it. They don't let it burn very long, however, because, you know, flames inside of a building that is keeping you alive from 100 below weather where it's freezing tundra kind of a good idea to not let everything burn that long so they run in and put the flames out and then the burnt monstrosity has them all completely dumbfounded as is the rest of us who had no idea what we were getting ourselves into the very first time we watched this we were all the first time you're watching it you're a little dumbfounded yeah everybody's like what the fuck was that (laughs) it's like that scene in um uh four rooms where he finds the dead hooker in the mattress and as he's screaming what the fuck is that he starts throwing up i've never seen that oh my god that's like the best part of that is movie <laughs> you know what i'm talking about mark yeah i haven't seen that one for a while but i think so what the fuck is that he's like throwing up as he's screaming what the fuck is that all at once it's incredible it's a really intense scene anyway everybody check out forums so you know what the fuck i'm talking about there you go <laughs> <laughs> they cut from this to the morning as Blair begins his autopsy of the monstrosity that was left behind in the dog's kennel with, once again, some of the most spectacular special effects and practical special effects you will ever see. He cuts free a malformed beast that is hidden within an outer sack-like substance. It's covering this... <laughs> awful like amniotic fluid kind of thing and as he's doing this we quickly realize that he just cut into what is obviously an external womb yuck it's so fucking gross it's growing another (laughs) creature inside the creature so fucking grody and it's an external womb so that thing that it was trying to protect that was up in the wall was the was the dog creature it was trying to form inside of itself so it dissolves the, the whatever it's trying to replicate and then rebuilds it within itself and replicates all of the cells and then gives birth to it i'm guessing Oh, gross. <laughs> it's, Wil- Wilford it's Brimley gets really into it in the scene, too. He's just like, oh, oh, oh. And earlier we saw him digging into the other version of that, pulling out all the guts and talking about how they look like they're normal and he's not bugged by this at all. But it's no. he's, he's breaking off the crab legs on this fucking thing and he's like digging into it and like really looking and he sees this external womb and he's just fucking grossed out and saying all this awful like, oh, oh, Jesus. <laughs> and then they fade to black from this uh, horrific autopsy and that leads to our next clip you see what we're talking about here is an organism that imitates other life forms and it imitates them perfectly when this thing attacked our dogs it tried to digest them absorb them and in the process shape its own cells to imitate them this for instance that's not dog it's imitation we got to it before it had time to finish finish what finish imitating these dogs clark yeah did you notice anything strange about the dog anything at all strange no 
What was the dog doing in the rec room? I don't know. It's just wandering around camp all day. Are you saying to me the dog wasn't put in the kennel until last night? Right. How long were you alone with that dog? I don't know, an hour, hour and a half, maybe. What the hell are you looking at me like that for? I don't know. What? I don't know. It's probably nothing. Nothing at all. How much more of this crap is there? Well, nine hours, I'd say. We can't learn anything from this. Guess not. Where'd they take these shots? Seems like they were spending a lot of their time in a little place northeast of their camp about five or six miles. What's that? It looks like something buried under the ice. And look at that. They're planting thermite charge. Whatever it was, it was bigger than that block of ice you found. Here. This is it. The place where they were spending most of their time. Pretty nasty out, Mac. 35 knots. Screw it. I'm going to go up anyway. Okay, so after this, they fly out and find the Norwegian dig site that we were hearing about in the clip, which turns out to be the UFO that we saw at the beginning of the film. They end up climbing down into this gigantic crater crash site that is very deep in the ice. I mean, they have to use ropes and everything, and it's like scaling a cliff when they make it on the way down there. And then they start speculating from the look of the ice that this crash site is possibly 100,000 years old. It might even be hundreds of thousands of year old old it's hard to tell but there's some kind of talk about how with this type of ice where it circulates up where things end up getting moved up as it freezes from the bottom of the ocean or something like that yeah you remember that it said something about the cycling or something like that where it pushes the stuff up oh yeah because of yeah because even in antarctica at some points that ice is going to melt on top it's just going to go back down and refreeze but everything's going to rise yeah so eventually it'll get pushed up to the top and then got something about that about gauging how the layers are set up or some kind of sciencey thing that explains how this is actually so close to the surface even though it's hundreds of thousands of years old even though they still had to dig pretty fucking deep we like to get science to here yes science is good science based evidence based all good good <laughs> they then move from the large crash site that was dug out we see what is very clearly where the ice block was cut from which is roughly what about the length of a football field away from the crash site maybe two Seems football fields yeah it's a good 100 to 200 yards maybe 300 <laughs> it's kind of hard to tell that shot, how they actually achieved that where they're walking away, they shot that in California. Really? They laid white sheets or like white blankets or something like that out across the ground in like a path for the guys to all walk in. They walked through that path to like pretend like they're looking down at the cutout square that was supposed to be the ice block where they pulled the alien out and then everything else is a matte shot that they painted in later wow and it's fucking glorious it's right. really beautiful sounds awesome yeah I just that's one of my favorite effects in the film and I, I love matte paintings and the way that they can actually make them look so real and that was one that I didn't even realize was a matte painting <laughs> neat I mean that's neat yeah I thought that was like a crane shot like you know in the actual Antarctic or some shit that they ended up you know I, I thought at least the, the the actual crater area where the the spaceship crash was supposed to be. I thought that was a mat, but I didn't think the hole in the ground and where they were walking was going to have a mat around it. So they reached the ice block that contained the crash survivor, and they cut from this to our next clip. I don't know. Thousands of years ago, it crashes, and this thing gets thrown out or crawls out, and it ends up freezing in the ice. I just cannot believe any of this voodoo bullshit. Charles, happens all the time, man. They're falling out of the skies like flies. Government knows all about it, right, Mac? You believe any of this voodoo bullshit, Blair? Charles, chariots of the gods, man. They practically own South America. I mean, they taught the Incas everything they know. So come on now, McCready. The Norwegians get a hold of this, and they dig it up out of the ice. Yes, Gary. They dig it up, they cart it back. It gets thawed out, wakes up, probably not in the best of moods. I don't know what you disrespectful man been tossing his dirty drawers in the kitchen trash can. Huh? For now, I want my kitchen clean, all right? Germ free. 
Now, how's this motherfucker wake up after thousands of years in the ice? And how can it look like a dog? I don't know how. Because it's different than us, see? Because it's from outer space. What do you want from me? Ask him. You buy any of this, Blair? After this, we get a very fancy computer simulation for 1982 that predicts that the that shit was fresh and that there's a 75% probability that one or more of the team members is infected. We're talking total cellular assimilation for a cell to become part of the thing, almost instantaneous. Then there's an additional projection that Blair somehow ends up programming in, <laughs> stopping short of saying, computer, run this simulation, and then Enhanced. having the computer run. Yeah, and then having the computer run it. I mean, it's fucking 1982. Give the movie a break. (laughs) Anyway, the additional projection is 27,000 hours before the world is fully assimilated by this thing. After first contact with a civilized area or a populated area, if you will. And upon getting this information, Blair grabs a gun. Then we cut from that to see Mac examining a torn up article of clothing. And then he ends up getting a call to help move the monster carcasses out of the lab and into the storeroom. They still want to try and keep these things, whatever they are. When that is done, Mac is pulled aside by Fugues, who wants to talk to him alone. Windows tells Bennings they should burn the carcasses, to which Bennings responds that they cannot burn these things. They are the find of the century. And after he covers it up... Somebody's going to win Nobel Peace Prize. Yeah, it's the find of the century. Someone's going to win the Nobel Peace Prize. And so after he covers up the creature, we then see it moving under the blanket. It's still alive. Yikes. It's alive. It's alive. Different film. Oh. We then see Bennings sends windows for the keys to be able to lock up the storeroom, and we see more movement from the creature, and then we see some blood and various other liquidy, gooey stuff dripping off of the table and from some various tendrils. And they cut from that to Mac talking to Fugues in our next clip. There's something wrong with Blair. He's locked himself in his room and he won't answer the door. So I took one of his notebooks from the lab. Yeah. Listen. It could have imitated a million life forms on a million planets. Could change into any one of them at any time. Now it wants life forms on Earth. It's getting cold in here, Fuchs, and I haven't slept. Wait a minute, Mac, wait a minute. It needs to be alone and in close proximity with the life form to be absorbed. The chameleon strikes in the dark. So is Blair cracking up or what? In the creed, there is still cellular activity in these burned remains. They're not dead yet. Let's go, Bennings. I gotta get some sleep. Go get the doc. I'll get Gary. We'll meet in Blair's rock. It's Bennings. Bennings was right there, Mac. I swear to God, it had a hold of him. It isn't Bennings. My God, what was happening to him? If it had more time to finish, it would have looked and sounded and acted just like Bennings. I don't know what you're saying. That was one of those things out there, trying to imitate him, Gary. Come on. McCready, I know Bennings. I've known him for 10 years. He's my friend. We've got to burn the rest of them. Okay, so after this, they dig a big-ass fucking pit using the fucking snowplow or tractor or whatever thing that they have. They build up the sides of it with snow on either side to kind of keep everything contained within there. First, they coat the big, ugly creature they found, and then all the crazy creatures that have been formed since that point, including what once was Bennings and made that god-awful noise. They dump, like, a (laughs) they have, like, two fuel, like, barrels, (laughs) and you just see them, like, tip them over. Yeah. Let them fill up the hole. (laughs) 
<laughs> for a while. Because, you know, you're not going to need any of that gas. Yeah, that's not necessary to, you know, maybe heat your place to keep you alive in 100 below. It's not important, Court. Just move on. The power of prayer will help them. <laughs> yeah, like that's helped hey, so many people. You know, safety first. If you're going to burn a big pile of corpses out in a giant snow pile, keep the uh, barrels of fuel away from the flamethrower. Yeah, absolutely. I know every time I have burned big piles of bodies in there. <laughs> Middle of no, I'm not. Sure. Statue of limitations never runs out on that, does it? It does not. No, no. You I'm okay? joking. I'm joking. It's yeah, a joke. He's fine. You okay? Not a real thing. Are you okay? You keep asking questions, and you're going to disappear. Uh, not saying uh, that on the mic, but you will. So they light everything up with a torch. As Market said, they've got a big old fucking bunch of bodies in a pit covered in yeah, the fuel. What were they doing up there? Because there's an awful lot of flame flowers up there. I mean, what were they going to run into? I'm thinking that whenever things iced over because of a storm or whatever they needed that to create ambient heat to melt it away oh maybe yeah you know what yeah, i mean there you go i get you that's the only justification you know what that that's good enough of. though at least that's like something because other than that it's like the fuck are you guys doing up here yeah if you needed to create a shitload of heat to get a bunch of ice to melt in the arctic we're, we're totally wrong here it's the fucking 80s everyone had a flamethrower in the house they had a flamethrower and an uh, uzi just yeah. because it was the 80s it was that's <laughs> it and a mountain of coke yep well the flamethrower and the uzi were to protect your mountain of coke well, of duh. course duh yeah yeah. <laughs> Stand your ground laws. <laughs> I defend my home by burning it down immediately with a fucking blowtorch. You don't want totally high on coke. All right. So they want to know what Blair is up to after all of this. And we see the burnt carcasses are then buried back in the snow. So they're burnt and then they're buried underneath. It looks like they dug down what? Maybe like five, six feet like to burn. Bur- like like yeah. So whatever's left behind after they burnt the ever loving piss out of it, they're then going to freeze in the ice to preserve it yeah which makes sense because you know if it's frozen then it's not coming to get them because <laughs> it's frozen yeah you can't come get me if you're burnt to a crisp and then frozen solid you're pretty much incapacitated that's the best hope that they have i love where max stands over top of the area that they just graded back down after burying it in the snow he's just kind of standing there looking at the snow like waiting for something to pop back up right <laughs> at least that's the inclination i always got that he's doing all right so everyone else ends up going inside and then as max turns around he sees someone tampering with the helicopter which he believes is Blair he actually says Blair or something like that and then runs over to take a look and he finds that the helicopter has been properly fucked Yes. I mean, fucked up hardcore. Very properly fucked. It's been smashed all to shit on the inside. All the controls are destroyed. And then after he sees that, Mac hears some shots, charges in to find Blair ranting like Alex Jones on meth. (laughs) That's a bit redundant. Ranting like Alex Jones, because let's face it, the other thing's implied. Yeah. And smashing the living shit out of their radio equipment, I'm guessing. It was several racks of stuff, and it's in the room that Windows was in calling for help or trying to radio out. And then we see Childs runs out and checks on the tractor and then returns to tell them that he has not only destroyed most of the tractor, he's also ruined the other chopper and then killed the rest of the living dogs. This sends Clark immediately to go check on the dogs because that's all he gives a fuck about. He doesn't care about any of the people. No, he only loves the dogs. And really with the other guys that are in this group... Kinda, don't blame him. Yeah, Matt would probably hang out with Palmer just to make some of that marijuana's. 
Yes. <laughs> yes. I would need, like, definitely in a situation like this, I would need about 10 to 25,000 marijuana. I believe if you're in the Antarctic, it's not illegal because there's no place to tell you you can't do it. So, exactly. There you go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, get your fill. Yeah. Plus, blaze fatties and watch the prices, right? Reruns. On VHS. Yeah. VHS. <laughs> All right. So, Childs is then sent in to try and distract Blair while Norris goes to grab a table that they're going to use as a makeshift riot shield, for lack of a better term. Child goes in to distract Blair. Blair turns around, empties the gun, screaming, I'll kill you, I'll fucking kill you. He shoots all six shots from his revolver and then throws the gun like a jackass at him. What the fuck are you doing? (laughs) Blair's a madman at this point. I'm just going to point it out. In my notes several times, I've said that he's having a diabetes fit. I'm just not putting it in here. <laughs> I'm having some decorum and taste, but you can kind of see where I'm pausing we here. We have to have personal responsibility. Yeah. What about diabetes? Yeah, it's... Oof. Okay, I'm going to try not to make those references and be a little bit respectful because plenty of people have diabetes and don't act like fucking Wilford Brimley on crack. That's true. <laughs> he's totally acting like Alex Jones, though. This is how I picture Alex Jones when he's not on camera. Because <laughs> he's barely containing it when he is. Pretty much. All right, so after he tosses the gun at Childs, Mac then comes in with the table, acting as a riot shield. He gets it smashed with the axe, which is exactly what he wanted to do, because he now has the axe trapped in the table. And then all of the men swarm in on Blair. Alright, this time I'm going to use it. Who goes all diabetes rage on them. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody get him a Snickers! Something. Until they finally subdue him. There's one point where he tosses two or three guys off of him with one arm, and then throws another guy into some equipment. And then they all swarm him again, and then this time Mac gets on top and starts decking the fuck out of him. And then they all join in and <laughs> yeah. start beating the shit out of him. But Mac throws two or three shots in a row and I think the third one is the one that knocked him out. It's the one that Mac throws. The last punch that Mac throws is the one that finally puts him out. And they cut from this to Clark distraught, angry and pissed off at the death of all of the dogs. And I gotta say seeing the one with its head chopped off with the axe just sitting there even bothered me and I'm not even really like a big dog person anymore. Yeah. I mean I love. No, it's bothersome. Yeah I love animals and I don't want to see them unnecessarily suffer. I'm glad that we didn't have to watch it happen at least yeah but i understand why he killed the dogs they were all exposed to the monster what yeah, else i mean do? unfortunately it's just kind of like fuck it yeah and so we then see the men dragging blair to the tool shed at least they were nice enough to give him a coat and some other things to keep him alive and they're going to lock his crazy fucking ass up they dope him up and then are going to leave him there in the shed and max stands there to talk to him for a moment and that actually leads to our next clip how you doing old boy i don't know who to trust I know what you mean, Blair. Trust's a tough thing to come by these days. Tell you what, why don't you just trust in the Lord? Watch Clark. What? I said watch Clark and watch him close. Do you hear me? No. Radio's gone. So are the choppers. Yeah, we're completely cut off. All we can do now is hold up till spring, wait for the rescue team. No, we don't wait. Somebody in this camp ain't what he appears to be. Right now, that may be one or two of us. By spring, it could be all of us. So how do we know who's human? If I was an imitation, a perfect imitation, how would you know if it was really me? Is there some kind of test, Doc? Well, yeah, possibly. I've been thinking about a blood serum test. What's that? We could take a sample of each person's blood, could mix it with uncontaminated blood. I suppose if there's a reaction, we'd know who isn't human. We've got whole blood in storage. We should start working on it. Keep an eye on Clark. He's close to that dog. Yeah. Yeah. Mac, we need Blair's help. He's the only one who knows what this organism is. He's too far gone, Fuse. But get the rest of his notebooks and start going through them. 
Gary! Hey, you guys, come here! What? Somebody got to the blood. What? Where's Clark? Right here. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Was this broken into? No, the lock is undamaged. Somebody opened it, closed it, and then locked it. Great. Well, who's got access to it? I guess I'm the only one. And I got the only key. Oh, that test of work, Doc? Oh, I think so. Somebody else sure thought so. Well, who else could have used that key? Nobody. I just give it to Copper whenever he needs it. Could anybody have gotten it from you, Doc? I don't see how. As soon as I'm finished, I return it right away. Great. When was the last time you used it? Huh? A day or so ago, I guess. I suppose somebody could have lifted it off me. Oh, that's come a... on. That key ring of yours is always hooked to your belt. Well, it's not how did Copper's the only one who's got any business with it. Oh, now, wait a minute, Gary. You've been in here on several occasions. Doc thought of the test. So what? Is that supposed to clear him? Well, why Bullshit. Why would he come in here and take it? No, that clip is just like a bunch of fucking stuffy old white men arguing over power and pointing the finger at each other. So like, government? Exactly. It's like watching C-SPAN, only like a condensed version, kind of. <laughs> yeah, they're all pissed off. They're all scared. They're all angry, and they're all losing control over their lives and the ability to control everyone else around them. So that's 2017 in a nutshell. This is a perfect pick to end the year. Nobody trusts anybody. <laughs> We're all very, very tired. And with that, Windows darts off at the end of the clip. And the others give chase as he tries to get all Second Amendment on them. He busts into the locked case to grab a shotgun. Before he gets a chance to load it, Gary pulls down on him and levels the gun at him. And he threatens to shoot him, but Windows pleads that Gary could be one of those things as well before lowering the shotgun. And then before lowering his own gun, after Windows puts down the shotgun, Gary spins around and draws the gun on everybody else, gives his word that he did not go near the blood nor do anything to tamper with it in any way shape or form and then he says but maybe you guys would feel better if someone else was in charge so he sets the gun down and lets everybody else kind of take over from there yeah that's the sign of a good leader when he knows that his his people have lost faith in him yes that he goes ahead and surrenders it to whoever else is going to be in charge right as he sets the gun down Childs goes to grab at it and says that he will take the gun but as he goes for it Clark pulls his knife on him and intercedes telling him no and then Mac takes the gun away and then saying something about it needs to be someone that is more even tempered and then they cut from this to the burning of the blood in the middle of the tundra once again just outside of the camp and that leads to our next clip i know i'm human and if you were all these things then you'd just attack me right now so some of you are still human this thing doesn't want to show itself it wants to hide inside an imitation it'll fight if it has to but it's vulnerable out in the open if it takes us over then it has no more enemies. Nobody left to kill it. And then it's one. There's a storm hitting us in six hours. We're gonna find out who's who. All right, Doc, Gary and Clark, move over there away from the others. Norris, you and Childs, shoot him up with morphine. Tie him down in the rec room and watch him. Fuchs, you start working on a new tag. I need Doc's help. Yeah, you don't want to drug me. Mac, I'm not a prisoner. Here, let, let me let me do it. You're gonna break the needle in my No, head. Doc. He's doing a real fine job. I'm gonna hide this tape when I'm finished. If none of us make it, at least there'll be some kind of record. Thorne's been hitting us hard now for 48 hours. We still have nothing to go on. One other thing, I think it rips through your clothes when it takes you over. Windows found some shredded long johns, but the name tag was missing. They could be anybody's. Nobody trusts anybody now. We're all very tired. Nobody trusts anybody now. There's nothing else I can do. Just wait. R.J. McCready, helicopter pilot, U.S. Outpost number 31. You come up with anything yet? One or two ideas. 
But McCready, I've been thinking, if a small particle of this thing is enough to take over an entire organism, then everyone should prepare their own meals. And I suggest we only eat out of cans. The power goes out. Fugues runs into someone he can't identify and runs out to investigate who it was that just ran past. Oh, man, we got to make our own meals? Lame. All you got to do is open a can in this case. Yeah, but lame. <laughs> you would be eating nothing but beefaroni for weeks. <laughs> oh, man, you're going to clog a toilet when you get a shot. <laughs> Except for fucking Blair. All he's going to eat is uh, Quaker Oats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, of his diabetes. No, because it's Quaker Oats. And then he's going to go hang out in the cocoon. <laughs> maybe give Remo Williams some orders for the adventure to begin. Going to talk to Steve Gutenberg a bit. While he's in the cocoon. Yeah. Yep, there we go. And we have the full circle of everything that we remember from over. <laughs> Brimley's career. <laughs> so he goes out investigating. He finds a torn shirt in the middle of the grounds and it has McCready's name on it. And they cut from this to Mac asking where Fugues is. And the men all suspect each other. They don't want to be anywhere near each other. Palmer even flat out states that he refuses to go anywhere with Windows because he's convinced Windows might be the thing. Windows freaks out, tells him to fuck off. The men all start collapsing into Madness. juvenile Boy Scout behavior where they're hitting each other and yelling and screaming and arguing like a bunch of fucking idiots until Mac decides to step up and play daddy and calls the group to attention and tells them where they're leaving and who's going with who. He says Norris is going to stay and watch the guys that are tied up on the couch and drugged. Mac goes with two others to check on Blair, who has a noose just chilling out right in front of him, right there in the tool shed. Never know when you want to hang yourself. <laughs> yeah, you ought to come inside. <laughs> I'm all right now. Let me I'm just right. come on in. There's no reason to suspect there's anything wrong with I me. I don't want to hurt anybody. I, just, I ignore the noose. That's how I pull my oats out of the boiling water. <laughs> ignore the I hear just... things. I hear strange things out here. Don't, don't worry about the noose. I'm just trying to remind myself if I could still make it. I'll tell you what. I walk in on somebody like that where they got a noose just kind of hanging there. They're uh, sitting at a table They're completely eating. calm. Yeah, they're completely yeah, calm and you. nothing's wrong. Yeah. Especially in a situation like this where clearly he had lost all hope two minutes before yeah. and something got to him. Yep. Yeah. It's horrifying. <laughs> just love. I hear things. Strange noises out here. I don't want to be it's left strange alone. Strange things out there. Damn it, Mac. I want to come in there. Let me in there with you. <laughs> no. You, you stay put, Blair. You're good where you are. <laughs> you guys think Blair is infected at this point? Yes. Again, like skipping ahead a little bit, but like, is yes. he infected? here now i think the yes. calm this new calm uh everything's okay i'm not i don't want to hurt anybody anymore blair is infected blair not oh, yeah. not blair at all no yeah uh real blair is the one who wants everyone just to die right there and for no one to ever find this area again yeah he wants to wipe the camp off the face of the earth to save all of humanity yeah this calm blair who's trying to talk his way back into the facility wants to get back with the rest of the hive mind that's controlling him that he's totally infected at this point what what I think ended up happening is after he was out destroying the copters and basically whenever he got... Wait, who administers the shot on Blair? No one. No one gets a shot the, to. The doc. Doesn't the doc give him the shot? Because they, they give Blair oh, a shot yeah. to calm him down, but yeah, it's the yeah, doc, Yeah, that's right? right. It's the doc. Yeah. I was thinking there for a minute, maybe there's something in the shots to calm people down. Yeah. But then there's several people that get shots that don't get infected right exactly. away. So I think where he was left alone and he was drugged and he was out there alone, somebody went in to quote unquote talk to him or the other way that's into the shed that we'll talk about here at the end of the film. I think ended up coming in and changing him while people were busy somewhere else and being distracted. Whatever this thing is, whatever this creature is, it's highly intelligent and plays a long game and it distracts the guys and gets them looking somewhere else while it's turning somebody. Yeah. One at a time. Windows ends up noticing some ripped clothing and Fugue's broken
broken glasses. He has been burned in some way, shape, or form when they're walking around outside. They see a charred-up carcass, which has ripped clothing from Fugues and his broken glasses. And then they suspect that this was because he tried to burn the thing and it backfired on him, or the thing was trying to assimilate him and he immolated himself in order to save himself from being infected. Either way, that's horrifying. Yes. It's all bad. The man was burned alive trying to not be turned into something else that he doesn't understand. Apparently there's a weird deleted scene for this part where Fuchs dies a different way. He gets like a, it's something really lame that they didn't end up liking. So they kind of shot this bit to like fill in the gap here as to what might have happened to him. But that might be on that arrow release that you got. They might have stills or something. I'll have to check that for the deleted scenes because I had the bare bones Blu-ray before this and then I had the DVD with all the special features. Right. And then I went from this to the arrow and I haven't had a chance to dig into the special features yet because I literally just watched the print do the show last night. So, <laughs> Right. Yeah, and it looked incredible and it was really hard to do the notes. It took me four hours because <laughs> I was kept, I kept catching myself watching the movie and I have to go back to where I left uh, yeah, off. Yeah. Yeah. It was totally fucking worth it though. I'm not complaining at all. All right. So Mac notices that his shack has the lights on, which he then immediately states that they need to go up to his shack and investigate because when he left, he had left all the lights turned off and now they're on for some reason. Oh, that was creepy to me. Yeah, that's... We gotta, you and me, we gotta go check out my shack. Why? Because when I left it, I had turned the, I turned the lights off and you see the light on you're like, oh, fuck. <laughs> yeah. They cut from this to Childs looking at Max's shed and then we see that the lights are off once again and that leads to our next clip. How long have they been out there? 40, 45 minutes. We better start closing off the outside doors. Hey! All of you, come here! Where's McGrady? I cut him loose of the line up by his shack. Cut him loose? Yeah, we were up checking around his place. I found this. Look, it was stashed in his own oil furnace. Wind must have dislodged it, but I don't think he saw me finding it. I made sure I got ahead of him on the tow line on the way back. I cut him loose. McGrady? He's one of them. When do you think it got to him? I don't know. Even any time. Anywhere. If it did get to him. Hey, look, Childs, come on. When the lights went out. That would have been the perfect time. Right. You said guys were missing and with us. Where were you? In Palm Road. Where were you? 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 Where Nothing human could have made it back here in this weather without a guideline. Let's open it now. Why are you so damn anxious to let him in here? Because they're so close. Maybe our best chance to blow it away. No, just let him freeze to death outside. Childs, what if we're wrong about him? Why then we're wrong? Supply window. All right, all right. We got no choice now. Damn it, he's got the keys. Anyone messes with me and the whole camp goes. Come on, child, burn me. Put those torches on the floor and back off. Back off. Way off. You asshole. You'd have done the same thing. Don't argue with him. Where's the rest? Come on, man, I'm in it. It's cool, McReady. It's cool, man. Come on. Yeah, yeah, man. Just relax. Anybody touches me, and we go. Uh, not breathing. One time to talk. Get him in here and bring the others. Now nobody gets out of my sight. Okay, so during this clip, they board up the doors as one of the men wanders back in, 
and it turns out to be Nalls, and he continues giving some paranoid speech about Mac and how he found some torn up clothes. And since he can't get in the door, Mac then just breaks into a window in the storeroom, and by the time they get in there, he's already geared up with a whole shitload of fucking dynamite. Like a badass. Yeah. He puts together dynamite with a tiny fucking fuse, so it's like death time. Oh my god, it's like an old-timey movie. Yeah, and he's got a flare, and he's just holding it there, and he's like, don't fuck with me back off. We'll just blow all the shit out of here. Because he's had it with these guys. They They were gonna let him freeze to death and yep. I would be just that pissed too. Oh yeah. He's cold, he's pissed off and he knows they're out to get him and they don't believe him and he's got to prove himself so he goes for the dynamite. Fucking brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> and then he takes control of the situation now that he has the dynamite. When Norris and Niles attempt to subdue him and pull the dynamite away from him, he ends up knocking them on their asses and that's when Norris has this heart attack. Then the doc tries to pump the heart old school hammer compression style where he's just punching the chest yeah. from above and that was like 1950s time where he's trying to come back. back to me i think they do that first where they try to shock the heart into pumping itself and when it doesn't respond then he goes into the normal compressions yes and then when that doesn't work he then, then they use the panels yeah he starts using the paddles uh max basically all holding them hostage but allowing the doctor to do his work and to save him and he's still got the dynamite and you see him slowly starting to thaw out and warm up he's got a flamethrower and the dynamite instead of having just a yeah just the torch a the whole dynamite. lot of shit they'll just wreck everyone's day yeah he made them back off so he could tool up with all that stuff ready to go all right so all the while that this is happening all of the men that are being held hostage here are looking for an opening on mac because they're convinced he's one of the things and here comes one of the yeah. bestest ever scenes ever <laughs> yeah ever all right we're here so the doc is defibrillating norris that was the word you were looking for defibrillator paddles yes and on the second shock and i pause it every time when i got it on some kind of digital format the entire chest and stomach open up like a fucking jaws of a fucking shark Ugh. and the doc's arms go all the way down to the backbone because all the organs are gone too so he's in this almost all the way up to the elbows and then the ribs form what look like shark teeth mm. and they bite into the fucking arms when it's supposed to be that they're severing these arms just below the elbow but what you end up seeing is when they tear the arms away he's actually literally tearing the arms away when they're held in place like it's a bear trap yeah either way it still looks realistic and it's horrific oh it's awesome though one there's the- one shot that was actually filmed using an amputee that was wearing a mask that they had cast of the actor's face i think this is richard dysart and yeah he's played by an actual armless guy that explains why it looks so realistic with a little <laughs> bit of gore at the end there that's was he a double amputee so it was both arms yep jesus christ yeah that's wow that effect is used a lot and it's very convincing zombie movies have been doing that forever yeah romero's done that a ton grabbing amputees and using yeah. them yeah totally that's nuts though i can't believe that that i don't i'd have to go back and look to see if i can decipher the mask from the actual shot because it cuts so quickly and i kind of went frame by frame for a little bit with the bite happening because that's still my favorite effect because you see the whole cavity of the body open up and you see the guy's entire arms drop in and it's just amazing <laughs> this exposes norris as a thing obviously and leads to the most spectacular effect sequence in the movie for me because we get transformation and burning simultaneously you actually see the effect the practical effect is transforming and doing things while other portions of it are on 
fire. I fucking love this effect. Yeah, it's insane. Okay, so Mac burns the thing immediately whenever the whenever the doc pulls away from having his arms bit off. And then as it's burning, we see the head descend off of the neck and stretch. And we see tendrils and green stuff and goop and all this stuff breaking free and spilling out. But you basically see the neck elongating. It's almost like the spine is pushing the head away to try and save it. I don't know how else to describe it. Yeah, I don't know either. It comes loose and dangles itself slowly from these weird tendrils and whatever it's breaking free from. And then once the head rests comfortably on the ground, it uses its tongue and it lashes like at a nearby desk or whatever and then starts pulling itself away. And then when it gets away from them being able to notice it, it grows those crab-like spider legs or or cockroach legs once again. And then it grows these crab-like eyes out of the top of the neck where it's out. And it's fucking nightmare fuel. Oh yeah. You Big see the, time. You see the eyes on the top looking around and then the legs, it just kind of scurries off a little bit and hides. Mac ends up burning that shit as well when it scurries away out the front door and they all see it. I think Palmer notices it and goes, what the fuck was that? Yeah, right? <laughs> says, you gotta be fucking kidding yeah, me. Yeah, well, there, you gotta you know. be fucking kidding me. That's exactly what he says. And then after they burn that, that leads to our next clip. What do you got in mind, McCready? A little test. And windows, you and Palmer, everybody down real tight. What for? For your health. Come on, let's rush him. He's not going to blow us all up. No, no, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Let's let's do what Max says. I mean, uh, he wasted Norris pretty quick, didn't he? That's close enough, Clark. He ain't tying me up. Then I'll have to kill you, child. Then kill me. I mean it. I guess you do. This is bullshit, Mac. Finish it, Palmer. They're dead, Mac. Windows. Yo. You tie up Palmer over here. We're going to draw a little bit of everybody's blood. We're going to find out who's the thing. Watching Norris in there gave me the idea that maybe every part of him was a whole. Every little piece was an individual animal with a built-in desire to protect its own life. You see, when a man bleeds, it's just tissue. No blood from one of you things won't obey when it's attacked. It'll try and survive. Crawl away from a hot needle, say. Now you. That's good. All right, move back. Over there. I guess you're okay. All right. Put that on and watch them. Now I'll show you what I already know. It's a crock of shit. Let's try the dock and Clark. Now Clark. And Clark was human, huh? Which makes you a murderer, don't it? Palmer now. This is pure nonsense. Doesn't prove a thing. I thought you'd feel that way, Gary. You were the only one that could have got to that blood. We'll do you last. Blood test is probably the greatest fucking part of this movie. I yeah, fucking love that was scene. awesome the way it jumps up. And what's what's with fucking Childs being like so indignant? They were gonna let Mac freeze to death on the hope that he may not possibly be a thing. Yeah, you know, or maybe he is a I thing. Think he's and just kind of an asshole. He's so indignant about it, like you murdered him. Well, he was coming at him. Yeah, right. And he didn't know if he was a thing or not. Everybody's paranoid. So fuck off, Childs. Jesus. He's he's trying to justify the fact that he almost let McCready freeze to death, like in his own mind and within the group like trying to trying to justify doing horrible things you know in the face of you know people react to shit like this yeah there's gonna there's gonna be double crossers well and also at this point how do you know that the things that these people are saying are not motivated by the fact that they are already infected and they're trying to hide out in plain sight because you just don't know i mean we have really no inclination of knowing when some of these people actually are infected until they're exposed and there are certain points in the film where you think they might be but it's never where you actually think it is yeah there's 
very few of them. Like, I think you see Bennings for sure, but you never know where Norris was. Was Norris the one that the dog went into first in that room and he's been hiding ever since? You know, you're just kind of oh. curious. And does the individual pieces of the thing feel pain when the other parts are being I think burnt? so. So, like, how does it ignore that? You know what I mean? To hide out. Maybe it doesn't, like, the other parts don't feel pain, but it's just... It's aware that it's suffering. Yeah, it's aware that there's parts of it that are out there having a troubled time. We're going to be here for hours trying to figure that out. Uh, Oh, my God. It's impossible. Yeah. Okay, let's see here. Uh, Where was I? Okay, so, and I have it written as the infamous blood testing. I think everybody remembers this. This is, like, the part of the film that everybody can recall where he's heating up the wire and burning the blood, particularly the scene where he wasn't expecting it and the blood shoots out. Now, I could tell in that cutaway and where they cut back before he does the final test that the blood shoots out you could see the fake hand holding the petri dish but it totally doesn't fucking matter because it's nice and quick and unless you're totally looking for it it fools you this is one of the most effective jump scares that's ever been put on film basically i saw this on the big screen a couple months ago and there was clearly a lot of people in there that had never seen this movie before and they all about shit their fucking pants at the scene (laughs) it's great though i know it's coming every time i'm ready for this to happen. <laughs> yeah. I can even see the fake hand. I'm like, it's going to happen. It's, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. And then boom, it still makes me go, fuck! <laughs> Every fucking time, dude. <laughs> and I love it. Like, it's it's perfect. I love the fact that it works on me still. And I also wrote that this particular sequence, the thing that makes it work the most for me is everybody's in this where they're all tied together and if one of them turns out to be the creature and then it's exposed, it's going to attack everybody else and they're tied next to them whether they're a thing or not. So once it's exposed, every Everybody's going to, you know, fight it off and get away from it. And that's one of the finest tension building scenes ever because you're worried for everybody. And when you know something's about to be exposed and it's about to happen, it makes it that much more intense when that takes place. This exposes Palmer as one of the thing and he transforms and basically still tied to the couch while he is transforming. And Mac keeps trying to blast him with the flamethrower, but the regulator's not working or something's going on that his gun's jammed. He's it's Chekhov's flamethrower at this point. He needs to be able to burn the thing and you know he can't do you think he would just burn everybody on the couch just to be safe yes <laughs> i think Probably. so i think he thinks about it i know i was so there we go and so whatever this thing is that once was palmer it transforms and ends up breaking free and jumps free and then basically hangs on the ceiling for a moment and then finally mac calls for windows to come in and blast this fucking creature but then it tongue tendrils windows to the head and then it opens up one of those god-awful like fly trap like Venus flytrap like mouth that's like made out of flesh and it wraps around Windows head and just starts chewing on him with like this multi-toothed nasty ass fucking jowl. Essentially the thing is trying to eat fucking Windows' head for some reason. It's just keep chewing on it and chewing on it and there's a scene where it's bouncing Windows' body around while it's biting on his head and his shoulders and the body, the, the fake body that it has being tossed around is very clearly light and fake and very dummy like but they're doing this in the background and it reminds me of some of the scenes in Evil Dead where it was very comedic, but they push it into the background and have everybody else freaking out about it, about how they can't burn the thing, so it kind of doesn't pull away from the horror that's happening, and I kind of needed this moment of levity after everything else that was happening, yeah. so I'm okay with it being a little silly. Well, they're clearly using, like, a dummy, like, it's not yeah. a super convincing effect, and I think that's part of why it comes off very Evil Dead-ish. And let's face it, after everything else that we've gotten in the film, just even the slightly fake-looking is so blaringly obvious because of how realistic everything else looks and how much it feels like it's right there and this horrifically misshapen 
monster that's come to life. So you get this moment here where it's this dummy being bounced around and it's clearly a dummy and a little bit of black humor that this movie has. Yeah, it's totally a John Carpenter moment there. <laughs> All right. So after what feels like an eternity of this dummy being bounced around by the head and shoulders from the penis flytrap looking thing that bites him, uh, Mac finally gets the regulator on his flamethrower working and then burns the Palmer monster. And then we see Windows body that was tossed free lands into like the game corner busting up all of their games so there goes all their fun well I don't know what they're gonna do now and it just starts bleeding out the burning Palmer thing breaks through the wall putting a gigantic fucking hole in the wall of their rec room so now this room is useless to them yep <laughs> and once it breaks Who needs any hey listen we already have less people less rooms needed yeah so the Palmer thing breaks through the wall and then Mac walks out of the hole in the wall lights a stick of dynamite and tosses it at the thing and then blows it the fuck up while it's on fire burning so you see pieces of burning flesh go everywhere from the explosion pretty much all in real time that was incredible i fucking love that shot that's great yeah it's famed hollywood burn man tony caesar who if you watch like almost any fucking slasher movie from the 80s and the guy gets lit on fire it's probably tony That was his specialty was the burn walk. You know, he's tell because his body, he's a, like a pretty big fucking buff dude. And his body type is almost never the same. Like if he plays like Michael Myers or something, like it looks a little bit different right before they light him on fire. Or like the, the big one was the first Nightmare on Elm Street when he goes up the stairs, like lit on fire. That was, that was actually incredibly long fucking burn. Too. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's the same guy. It's Tony. Did he do Halloween too? Was he the Michael Myers walking around on fire in Halloween too? Or was that the Dick Warlock or whatever? It's almost got to be Tony. I think he was like your go-to guy for lighting people on fire in your movies in the 80s. His IMDb list is probably a fucking mile long. (laughs) You need somebody to be lit on fire? I got a guy for you. (laughs) (laughs) I know a guy. I know a guy who would do that for you. All right, so (laughs) Windows is now becoming a thing as well because apparently having your head nearly chewed off infects you instantly and you're starting to cross over. So Mac is called in from everybody tied to the couch screaming helpless to burn that as well, which he does, and then all other games, so they're holy fucked. Their game room is host. All their games are now on fire with Windows' corpse. I mean, if they were going to survive this, now they got nothing to do. Yeah, ooh, fuck it. <laughs> it's at this point, I think that they're all like, well, well we're going to die anyway, so who cares? Yeah. <laughs> all that they have left is like reruns of fucking prices right on Win- <laughs> on Palmer's fucking VCR. Alright, so they cut from this to Nal's test and he actually passes, and they're still in the room with a giant fucking hole in the wall, so I don't know how this works, but whatever. Then uh, Childs passes as well finally so we're left with just Gary and that's all when they test Gary he passes and that leads to our next quote clip I know you gentlemen have been through a lot and when you find the time I'd rather not spend the rest of this winter tied to this fucking couch it's like my favorite fucking line. <laughs> Very calm. And then now if you could just go ahead and get me the fuck out of here. Yeah. <laughs> I love that shit. All right. So they fade from that to black and then they cut to Mac tells Childs they're going out to give Blair the test to see if he's okay before they let him back in, which makes sense. But as soon as they get there, the door is wide open and Blair is long gone and they find the floorboards pulled up as well. And then they end up looking down and then there's like this big dugout work area room where all the tools are down underneath the ice and then someone has very clearly been building a flying saucer underneath the ice and the snow. (laughs) 
doesn't everybody have a flying saucer in their basement? Now, my thought is essentially this. Something from the camp on the other camp has already made it over to these guys and has been building a secondary ship long because this stuff has clearly been down there for a long time building this ship. Now, when Blair got put out there in the shed to be away from everybody else, the thing came in to check on its ship and what's going on and found a convenient victim up above it that they could have out there working on it as well. And that's how Blair got infected and then got out. Maybe. <laughs> like a pod people thing. They're just like fucking assimilating all these people and putting them to work yeah. to build a flight saucer that's so they can get the fuck off our planet. Yeah, into various shifts or at least get further into civilization to take it over because we don't know what it came here for in the first place all the hundreds of thousands of years ago. I think the thing serves one purpose and that is to assimilate. Yeah, it's like a bio version of the Borg. <laughs> it just keeps bringing pieces of people back into itself. It's like, almost like a brainiac too where it just keeps absorbing all of these other lives and all of their memories and thoughts and I think it grows stronger from that and that must be what it feeds on. It's like the blob. All it does is blob. It's like a smart blob. <laughs> the new Verizon smart blob. <laughs> yeah, Verizon would be evil enough to create a blob. <laughs> it's already happening. Yeah. They practically own South America. <laughs> so with Blair loose and the saucer being rebuilt here, they go ahead and start putting together some dynamite and building up larger versions of bombs where they're taping it together. It starts getting Old Westy here because it's John Carpenter and the best way to deal with anything is Old Westy rolled up dynamite bombs. Pretty much. Yep. Molotov cocktails. <laughs> that too. And then Nalls thinks he sees Childs running outside when the rest of them are looking around getting ready to blow up this fucking ship. And he's just right outside the entrance there of the camp when he thinks he sees it. And then suddenly the generator goes out because the thing is obviously aware of where they're at and what's going on with the shed. That leads to our next mini clip. You got it for there? Got back inside and blew the generator. Six hours, it'll be a hundred below in here. Well, that's suicide. Not for that thing. It wants to freeze now. It's got no way out of here. It just wants to go to sleep in the cold until the rescue team finds it. What can we do? What can we do? Whether we make it or not, we can't let the thing freeze again. Maybe we'll just warm things up a little around here. We're not getting out of here alive. But neither is that thing. Okay, so at this point, is this revenge or is this them trying to save humanity? Or they decide this, this is a suicide pact to save humanity. They're going to die anyway, and I think it's partially like, look what you've done to us. You're going to kill us, and we're going to make sure that your goal doesn't end up happening. We're going to make sure we destroy you before you can fully exactly Because we're dying either way. There's no hope for us. And so with this, they go ahead and blow up the saucer and start destroying the fucking camp. If you thought the explosion at the beginning was kind of cool, and then all the flames that you got to see throughout the movie were cool. You gonna fucking love the end of this movie, baby. Yeah, right? <laughs> they blow everything up. Fucking everything. You can't get a John Carpenter film from the 80s without a shitload they, of fucking explosions. They Michael Bay the shit out of this camp. Except it's actual bablosions <laughs> yes. and not fucking not CG. CGI explosions. Alright, so they're burning and exploding everything in sight in a magnificent seek and destroy mission that is just breathtaking to behold. They head down into the generator room which turns out it's not a room, just a gigantic fucking hole in the ice with ice stairs and everything. <laughs> and then they put their utility stuff and pipes and things down in there. That was really trippy. <laughs> 
They start planting bombs in an effort to bring the entire fucking camp down because the generator room leads to the pipe ductwork and stuff like that and it goes underneath all the parts of the camp and they have storage and stuff down there. So they're heading out to all these various areas just underneath the camp and planting various bombs that are all tied together with the old-fashioned Old Westy plunger type thing to detonate the bombs. Gary is immediately face-palmed whenever the Blair thing comes at him and its fingers dig into the skin on his face and around his mouth and judging by the gurgling gagging noises whenever the hand goes over the mouth I'm assuming that some type of opositor is being rammed down his throat and possibly eggs being laid in his chest wrong movie about an alien his face basically turns into like a scrotum and Blair (laughs) drags him by it it's fucking horrific and it just oh the effects still hold up and it's still fucking horrific to see it now Uh, with Gary gone now that leaves only Nalls and Mac left to fight however many things are roaming around to get them. Nalls wanders off and when Mac gets no response when he yells out to him, he preps the big kaboom immediately. Did you see him? He throws the switch and pulls the plunger because he's yep. like, oh shit, we're fucked. Then he lights a stick of dynamite on its own with a rather long fuse and then a big underground beast comes hurtling at him through the ice and through the floors and the timber that are there in this generator room cellar area and it just happens like everywhere it goes through and then it hits him. It stops short of actually hitting the plunger so as to not detonate it, but then it basically smashes Mac and tosses him to one side and the dynamite goes in the other direction and then it sits still for a moment watching the dynamite burn. Mac kind of tries to figure out a plan of what to do. The creature then reaches up with a long fucking giant tendril and pulls the detonator down into the hole that it's in and then the tendrils start moving around kind of looking for Mac and with these sort of tendril tentacle things. Then it comes up out of the pit and reveals itself in all of its various forms. We see part of what looks like what's left of Blair kind of with the face and then there's like a piece of a dog being birthed out. It's like all the greatest hits where they just threw all the practical effects they made together. Just just throw it in there and just see what happens. Like 20 minutes before this happened they're throwing it together and putting all the latex over top of the seams and then painting it and they're like fuck it covered in a lot of goo it'll be disgusting. There we go. Goo and blood we're good. (laughs) Make sure there's some lot of red light down here. (laughs) Make it look like hell. (laughs) But totally the way that they do it it's like a best of practical effects all in one creature just right there in front of you and to his horror Mac looks at this thing and then does what I have written in my notes as a Shatner front tumble <laughs> that's he about t- all he, he did yeah. roll. that's exactly what he does he does a Shatner front tumble from Star Trek na, 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 na. <laughs> Can you form a rudimentary lathe? <laughs> what was that, Mark? I just got a somersault. Yeah. But anyway, it's more effective than Shatner's actual front tumbles because while he does it, he grabs that lit stick of dynamite, looks at the thing as it's there, and it tries to horrify him. And then he just says, yeah, fuck you too. Yeah. And then tosses the dynamite at the thing. This sets off a chain of explosions that we had set up from earlier that we saw that the guys were setting up to destroy the whole entire camp. It destroys everything in an amazing ball of fucking fire that looks like a mushroom cloud. I guarantee you that was no accident. No. We then see Mac wander off and he's just kind of wandering right into the frame. He looks like he's freezing. He wanders over to sort of like a barrel area just outside of the other parts of the camp and then sits down. We then see Child sneak into frame behind him and that leads to our final mini clip. You the only one who made it? Not the only one. Did you kill it? Where were you, Charles? Thought I saw Blair. I went out after him. Got lost in the storm. Fire's got the temperature up all over the camp. 
Won't last long, though. Neither will we. How will we make it? Maybe we should. If you're worried about me. If we've got any surprises for each other, I don't think we're in much shape to do anything about it. Well, what do we do? Why don't we just wait here for a little while, see what happens. With this, the pair share some booze, do a knowing and very kind of sad laugh, cues the music, and roll credits. The first time I ever saw it was back in college. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Somebody mentioned the end scene with the uh, panels, and someone was describing that, and I went, I have to see this. (laughs) And they said, all right. And so they put on the movie that night and watched it. And yeah, I was like, yeah, this fucking movie kicks ass. I'm curious, Mark, when's the first time you saw this? This was like a blockbuster rental when I was about 13. Uh, I, I... Honestly, I think the first time I became aware of this thing was uh, I'm a big action figure collector. It was when Movie Maniacs Series 3 came out and they had the Ash action figure from Army of Darkness. And it was like kind of a big deal. It was the first like actual like Evil Dead action figure that you could get. That you could get. And at the time, the only way that you could get this action, this Ash figure is if you ordered the entire set, which also had two figures from the thing, the Blair monster and the Norris monster. And just when I saw these things, I knew I had to see this fucking movie so i you know walked my happy little 13 ass down to the blockbuster and rented it with my you know ready to go rent rent r-rated movies account that i'd finally gotten so that i <laughs> talked my parents into setting up for me i forgot and that blockbuster did that where you could you could set up an account where your parents pre-okayed you yeah to sometimes be able to rent r-rated films yeah, yeah. this is definitely like small town fucking blockbuster like where you know they probably don't have a lot to do i worked at the same blockbuster years later solely for the purpose <laughs> so I could rent the entire like horror section back to front. This movie blew my fucking mind the first time I saw it. Okay, let's break this down, right? Mm-hmm. I think that Bennings was infected, but it took longer, and he got it and was infected first. The dog runs up, licks his face right off the bat. So I think he was infected right there with the lick. I think the dog was planting cells on him to sort of start taking him over, and that's why it was licking in the face to get started there. When that didn't right. take effect fast enough, the dog nips him probably where he was wounded or something like that, and puts more DNA in him with a quick nip or whatever, just, you know, kind of breaks the skin there to work on Bennings. I'm pretty much convinced that Norris was the guy that was in the the in silhouette where we see the dog go into his room. So I think Norris was the first fully infected human from the dog. Yeah, all right. Because that was at night when everybody else was asleep. But Bennings, I think he was hitting him in small doses until he finally got him. And I think he was exerting some control over Bennings because when Windows says, hey, let's go get the keys, uh, Bennings says something along the lines of, well, I'm going to wait here as if he knew it was time to be the rest of them to be assimilated and he wasn't in control of his own thoughts because he starts acting weirder and weirder as things go on, but he's still kind of clearly human. Now, right. we already discussed where we think Blair gets infected there where he's finally left alone and they walk away. It could have been yeah. any time in there from that tunnel. Now, Chuck, when he gets left alone and they go out to check on Blair, I think Blair opened the door to have them investigate, went through the fucking floorboards up to the generator room right below where Niles was, or right below where Childs was, and got Childs there. And that's why when they come out, they think they see Childs running at the end of the camp because they're trying to distract so Blair can go do whatever else he needs to do. There's also the theory about the very last scene. Basically, the whole thing is that you don't see Childs' breath, which means he's the thing, is kind of the theory. Well, that's one of the things, and also he's the only one that disappears for a while, and then he just all of a sudden shows 
shows up. Yeah. Even if he is hiding and he suspects that Mac is still the thing, the idea is both of them consider the other one to be the thing. So even if they aren't, they're purposely making themselves freeze to death just so the other one is trapped there in the frozen tundra too. <laughs> to be buried that makes in the snow. A, that makes a lot more sense to me than like the you can't see his breath thing because that could just be a cinematography thing where it's just the right angle that you can see his breath and then they kind of retcon that as the reason like the, how, how this movie ends. Honestly, like I like how open and nihilistic this ending is like they're they're, they're both fucked. Basically, they're both going to freeze to death. So does it really matter if either of them is the thing like? Well, it's That's, even worse than that. It's even more nihilistic. This is an encampment that is clearly monitored. And whenever they go off the grid and they don't hear from them, whenever the thing is supposed to be over, everything else is destroyed. But there's going to be two guys that are going to be just below the surface, no matter how much they get covered by snow. They know the location of where these people are supposed to be. The thing's going to get found and it's more than likely going to come to civilization and it's all over for all of humanity. It is. Yep. This is a total apocalypse film. People don't think about that because once the thing is there, if if it is Childs or if it is even Mac, there's two of them above ground and they just see them freezing to death and think, oh, it's over. No, it's not. When spring comes around and they haven't heard from these guys or however long it's supposed to be, they're sending out a search party to check on them and it's over for the rest of humanity when the bodies get brought back. Yep. That's fucking grim. Yep, that the grim. end. They all lived happily ever after. <laughs> they the all end. They do all live happily ever after as the same fucking creature. <laughs> <laughs> now, unless the, the creature was building the uh, another UFO, maybe it doesn't want to simulate the whole planet. It looks like it was trying to leave. I think it was trying to build a smaller UFO just to get out from two. If that thing yeah. could only go two thousand miles to civilization for it to. Oh, spread. that's true. Yeah, and then it can build a bigger ship, and then they can all leave together as one giant globular yeah. fucking smart super smart blob yay <laughs> yeah so that's the end of the world for you that's what makes this film like the more you think about what's going on in this film and the implications of what happens here at the end the ending is that much more down and fucking rotten and it's just the end of everything and that's a perfect movie to do for new year's <laughs> yes <laughs> nuke fuck it all. 2017 just like the end of this movie <laughs> fuck you viewer <laughs> yeah it's like fuck you 2016 fuck you 2017 it just keeps getting worse and worse. By 2018, we will be battling an alien that is smarter than us, and we will all be assimilated. So 2019's looking better. Yeah, well. If you're a thing. Unless we nuke it. <laughs> I ain't gonna do any good. Well, we nuke the planet. <laughs> vote for the thing, 2020. <laughs> okay, so what all you're... All right, I'll vote for the thing, 2020. <laughs> okay, so what you're saying is we nuke the surface of the planet from orbit? Yes. That's well, the only way to be sure. Yeah. <laughs> No, you just yeah, have and all the world leaders launch all the buttons. That's thousands upon thousands of nuclear missiles going off. No one lives. Everyone dies. We're fine. And then the thing is, either way, you're fucked if it starts assimilating that bad. So true. <laughs> but at least we take it down with us. Well, that would be like the sequel to this. That's what would be what was happening when yeah. the world's getting destroyed. Then the third movie would be the thing hunting down people that are left in bunkers to assimilate them and trying to scavenge for material to get off the planet and do it all again. True. <laughs> There you go. We just wrote we wrote we just wrote two sequels for you, Hollywood. Yeah, there you go, Hollywood. You're welcome. <laughs> Please don't do it because you fucked up the prequel. Yeah. The producers fucked up the prequel. The people involved with that wanted to do so much more with it and actually did spend money on practical effects to try and make it look good, but then it was all forced to be CG. Yikes. And then it looked like a Resident Evil movie. Yeah, it was not good. <laughs> 
It wasn't horrible. It had some moments, but it would have been better just to not even call it the thing. But who knows? Maybe in fucking 20, 30 years, just like John Carpenter's version, people will appreciate it more and will be the ones that everybody will be like, huh, you didn't know a goddamn thing. Now, did you? All right. We're going to play a promo for another podcast here. We're going to have a little bit of music. And when we come back, we will do some PSYOP news. Prepare for a spine-tingling, nerve-shattering podcast featuring all your favorite monsters. You won't believe your ears when you listen to Monster Kid Radio. Here your host, Derek M. Cook, and his ever-rotating stable of guests discuss your favorite classics and sometimes not-so-classic monster movies. Subscribe to Monster Kid Radio through iTunes or Stitcher, or visit monsterkidradio.net before the next weekly episode of Monster Kid Radio. Go through the archives for interviews with Sarah Karloff, Victoria Price, and Joel Hodson. Listen to discussions about movies like Creature from the Black Lagoon, Island of Terror, and King Kong. And don't forget convention coverage from Monster Bash and the HP Lovecraft Film Festival. Classic Monsters, Modern Talk, and the head of Rondo Hatton, only on Monster Kid Radio. Okay, now I know you guys are probably asking yourselves, what the fuck does this have to do with the thing, right? Sorta. Kinda. This is the song that's playing while they're shooting pool. If you go back, you can actually hear it. Oh, motherfucker. When they're jumping around. Yeah, it's a Billie Holiday song that is actually playing in the background whenever they cut away to like the guys in the rec room shooting pool and stuff. Not the ping pong scene, but whenever the guys are shooting pool and stuff. And I really liked it. And I thought it was very poignant and I figured it's a good way to transition from the movie into giving me some psyop Attorney visited jail to make porn with inmate, Sheriff says. Wow. Is anything illegal about that? Clearwater. Jerk it's jerk. It's out of Florida. So, I mean, <laughs> I mean isn't uh, that an on location shoot? <laughs> it is whenever it's the final scene. Deputies in Finillis County say an attorney was caught with his pants down while planning to record himself having sex with an inmate as part of a project to make a video called Girls in Jail. Covered in cum blood. <laughs> what? Well, that's a weird name. Girls in Jail? Covered in cum blood. Yeah, yeah. I know that part. Yeah, that seems a little weird. <laughs> uh, it's, it's almost a little too aggressive for a title. Hey, According weren't you, to weren't you sh- actually in that porn? Everyone will be coming on my face. Really? You know, I never saw a dime. Really? Yeah. They never paid you for the... Circle jerk! Everyone will be coming on my face. Nope. (laughs) According to the sheriff's office, detectives received a tip last month that Andrew Spark was paying female inmates for sexual acts. Is that that illegal? I'm advocating corpse fucking here. Well, I don't know, man. I think that is illegal. Prostitution is illegal depending upon the state. I don't know Florida's laws, but I would assume that if it were a prison, then you're a lawyer. There's some kind of 
of there's got to be ethics. Of, there's a breach of ethics yeah. for sure. But they say Shauna Bosley, a 25 year old inmate, claims Spark visited her in jail, even though he was not her attorney. Gotta love a girl who can take a punch. <laughs> <laughs> well time, sir. I, I mean, I don't know what that means, but Oof. what is what's wrong with you? I'm so scared, and the only cure for it is semen. <laughs> uh, she says Spark offered to put money in her commissary account in exchange commissary. for oral. Oh, okay, in exchange for oral sex. Neo Nazis meeting another inmate people. earlier that day. <laughs> Michelle declined the alleged offer, but detectives later confirmed that Spark met privately with. 28-year-old inmate Antoinette Napoleon-Tano. Wait, she, she turned it down? She didn't want the money for the commissary for sex on camera in prison? I guess. It's going to yeah. cost you some serious cock. <laughs> well, it won't cost her any of that because she's not, you know, she didn't do it. Oh, that's fair enough. Uh, that same day, after investigating, deputies say that the two actually had sex inside the Pinellas County Jail at at least six times between June 2017 Fuck and him. December 2017. She didn't. Fuck him! <laughs> Sheriff Are said they Monday fucking stupid? Do they do they not realize that all of that shit is on tape? Then there's cameras pointed at you from every fucking angle when I you're in like not. a in this jail in this count in this case i think he was counting on it maybe nah. he was trying to get the security footage too for that cinema verte feel. the sheriff Real said monday that spark movie. would begin his <laughs> interview by filming napolitaniano in her jail uniform and ask her to narrate sexual fantasies before filming her performing sexual acts he started off by saying the when they got word that spark was scheduled to arrive <laughs> at pinellas county jail to, be, to meet with Napolitano. Can you tell he wants to go home? He keps pushing through and he won't let me do clips. I've let you do plenty on Sunday. Uh, Lodges. <laughs> Is that both? <laughs> no, that was X. Oh. Uh, Countdown to Bukaki. They entered the... Uh, That's X, too. Detectives say they entered the attorney visitation room. See, I think it's an attorney visitation room. They oh, get special rooms that probably don't have cameras. Privilege. Yeah. Um, but he can film it all he wants. Oh, of course. And caught him with the Politano just as the two were about to begin a sexual act. He screams, I got Botox in my scrotum. Sparks' penis was <laughs> fully exposed when detectives entered the room. Micro the sheriff noted humongous balls. <laughs> that, uh, that might be a direct coat. Uh, Spark was charged with exposure of sexual organs, that introduction and possession of contraband in a county detention facility and soliciting for prostitution. Deputy say Spark did not speak to detectives and requested an attorney. It always comes back to Dick. Detectives say it is possible that Spark has engaged in the same activity with additional female inmates at the Finellas County Jail and at other jails throughout Tampa Bay area basically a in central florida sandwich. and may face additional charges i'm not volunteering for the blood come that's good so there you go <laughs> that is fucked up that is way yeah. fucked up i usually gotta go to a real special kind of tumblr blog for the sort of sick shit <laughs> what People are I, fucked up what, what i want to know is maybe i should have been a criminal attorney oh god <laughs> jesus what does that mean slash amateur porn maker no america is a bunch of cunts yeah pretty much <laughs> You can't pay your bail? Well, I could probably fix that for a blowy. <laughs> Zip. That's a clip. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's what he just said. <laughs> uh, you think he initiates the whole conversation with, you want to do a little ass play for your commissary account? <laughs> 
<laughs> so, I understand you have a DUI. <laughs> Maybe you'd like a little PIV for to take care of that DUI. <laughs> My HPV will cure what ails you. <laughs> Oh, fuck. You get- That's a good clip, yep. too. All right. I'm uh, tapped out. I'm yeah, done. All right. Uh, I'm good. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Not for nothing, but if I want a hand job, I'll do it myself. All right. It's true. It's true. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> all right, folks. We're going to take another break here. We'll play a promo for one more podcast. We'll have a little bit of music from the thing. And when we come back, we will close out this crazy madcap show. Skipping the promo. Three, two, one. Throughout the history of the horror genre, there have been those that say horror is for the weak minded. We here at the Little Pot of Horrors do not take kindly to such derisive inference. We are the bastions of tact, good taste, and highbrow horror discussion. Look no further, discerning listener, for here, the world of modern horror is discussed with reverence, respect, and similitude of decorum. Stop being such a bitch! <laughs> Hey everybody, this is Tim Dorn and you are listening to The Little Pod of Horrors. Even the people who hate horror love to talk about horror because they love to talk about how much they don't like horror. I don't know. Do you want me to Google horror movie ghost in the attic? Hi, I'm Nacho Vigalondo, director of Time Crimes and Open Windows. And you know what? I'm listening to The Little Pod of Horrors. Seriously though, join us for festival reviews, interviews and guest spots from fellow beloved broadcasters. <laughs> See, I told you I'd f*** it up. <laughs> My name's Gareth Evans, you're listening to The Little Pot of Horrors. Bisexualized horror, do you mean torture? No. <laughs> no, exactly. I'm gonna bleep that now. <laughs> Hello, this is number one New York Times bestselling horror author Scott Ziegler, and you are listening to The Little Pod of Horrors, which does for podcasting what Chucky does for daycare. The Little Pod of Horrors. The best idea since premarital sex on Halloween. Come find us on simplysyndicated.com and on iTunes, if you dare. jam out the Stevie Wonder on right? this song, man. Superstition is going to be yeah. his best song. I can't think of a song I like more than Superstition from Stevie Wonder. I'm not even going to try. <laughs> no need. Yeah, absolutely. All right, before we close out the show and we give up all of our deets, I'd like to have our guest Fancy tell us about his Fancy and Friends show one last time. Uh, Fancy and Friends podcast. It's primarily a commentary show, but we do other shit on there. Uh, you can find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Stitcher. Uh, probably here shortly, YouTube also. That's also the same place you can find 
find my music. Uh, I got the new album coming out pretty soon. It's called Endless Winter. It's uh, kind of along it's it's along the lines of the the soundtrack the thing a little bit in that uh, same kind of tone. But uh, yeah, you can find that on YouTube. That username is Fancy Mark. That's me. And uh, if we ever get around to it, check me out on the Midnight Horror Show. Uh, we should be doing another one of those sometime. Maybe no promises. We can all hope. We can all, we can all <laughs> Fingers hope. crossed. Yeah. The world needs that kind of trash. Yeah. And you guys do the right thing by doing it live and then releasing it several, several weeks later when everybody forgets <laughs> about the horrible things that you said so we can all be reminded of it when it hits our yeah. feeds. Yep. The podcast equivalent of waking up next to somebody that you don't know, you don't remember at all. <laughs> so basically every Sunday morning for Matt before he got <laughs> fucking married. Every day. <laughs> every day before you got married? Yeah. You didn't have that good a game. Well... <laughs> <laughs> Probably not. Yeah. Well, if you want to find out how you can get some good game, you should check out Legion Podcast, which we are a proud member of Legion yeah, Podcast Network. Suckers. You can find I us. I haven't kicked you off yet. No, nah. no. We've made our peace and we are now friends. No, with they might as well call it Garbage People Legion Podcast. No, it's <laughs> just fair and balanced. It has Ugh. garbage and clean people. Oh, okay. That's how it works. <laughs> True. You can find us legionpodcast.com forward slash cinema dash psyops. <laughs> we have a Facebook group called Cinema psyops where you can post alternative photography making fun of one or both of your favorite hosts it doesn't really matter you can find me on facebook i am court psyops you can find matt on facebook he is matt psyop be thankful he puts up a picture of a plank and not his real face because i sit across from him and i'm telling you what he's a candidate for a burka it would fuck you up the burka or your face uh, my face does it hurt because it's killing me oh my god that joke's so old it destroys social security <laughs> If there's any left to draw. <laughs> yeah, it's all gone now. You can email feedback to Matt, styopmatt at gmail.com. Let him know that his political humor falls short. You can email <laughs> feedback to court, cinemasyopscourt at gmail.com. Let him know you don't appreciate his approach to dry humor because he fucking sucks at it. <laughs> God damn, we're really hard. Why, why, the, why our listeners have to be so harsh with us? It's the only love we know anymore. <laughs> the only way to learn. We, we have to be beaten because it's how we we relate to our love. Are we okay? <laughs> no, we're not. We're not okay. You can find us on Twitter and tweet a couple of tweets to a couple of twats. I'm at court underscore psyop. Matt is at psyop. Matt, send us some footage of your things. Oh, God. <laughs> Here we go. Yeah. You know what? It hasn't happened yet, yeah. so I'm pretty confident We've we're We've come be okay. right out and said just fucking show us some photos of hot people naked and yeah. no one has DM'd us. No, nothing. No one has tweeted it at us. No. And said, hey, guys you'll you'll like this look at these look at these titties or something <laughs> or look at this hot guy or yeah, whatever. Yeah, I mean, yeah whatever it takes and uh, i guess thank you for that and don't tell the wife <laughs> <laughs> i'd like to thank everybody for downloading and listening to this episode and sticking with us for yet another fucked up goddamn year 2017 Woo! is out the window mark i hope you had a blast and we're willing to invite you back if you want to come back more garbage in 2018 <laughs> that's one thing i can campaign for and that's change yeah. i can believe in <laughs> Let's change it. What? Yes, kick the fuck out of 2018 and make it your bitch.
This trailer. It's so cold out. It's so cold out. <laughs> it's, it's, that's the leader there. I okay, don't know. fair enough. I just don't know, man. <laughs> I'm already off my notes. Thanks. You're welcome. Okay, so it has markings indicating that it's from the Norwegians. <laughs> <laughs> the Norwegians. The Norwegians. The Norwegians. Not just any Norwegians. The, the Norwegians. Norwegians. I mean, let's face it, the only way the Palins can do any damage with a gun is to hit their own parents with it. No! Or their spouses, yeah. apparently. Yeah. Allegedly. Probably. <laughs> hey, definitely that's, happened. That, that definitely happened. Yeah. 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 Go fuck yourselves with your family-friendly horse shit. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> well, if you read your Bible, it does say that thou shalt pistol whip thine wife. <laughs> I think God that's... damn, I must have missed that page. You know, I'm always skipping ahead. It's like in the Book of Armaments. <laughs> the, the only thing I read in the Bible is I skip to the end of the Book of Revelations. Just pray that it happens someday. Dune. <laughs> okay, fair and, enough. And this piece of shit. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. Or at least the Republican version of science. If it's a Republican version, you can't say science. Now let's get off the politics. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. Trigger word. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> Fucking conservatives. <laughs> God damn it. How do we get on top of this soapbox? It's really high, that's, and I'm scared of heights. That's where the conservatives like us on top. <laughs> are you trying to tell me conservatives are power bottoms? No, I'm telling you they like missionary. <laughs> <laughs> God damn it, can we just do the fucking show? <laughs> okay, go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. My, my apologies. My apologies. <laughs> yeah, you're not apologizing for nope. any of that. I know you. Nope. I can read. Thank you. They cut from this to McCready playing. Wait, real quick. Can you tell me what it says again? <laughs> <laughs> Dick. And it's not luck. He just works his ass off. Yeah, Ian too, or uh, El Goro, as he's known. He puts out like Duncan McLeish levels of fucking podcasting material. All right, let's see. Where was I before we started sucking other podcasters off? <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> don't. You don't want to fucking do that right now. It's okay. I will mute you. <laughs> okay. And you will get hurt. Okay. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> he's pushing my buttons, dude. <laughs> All right. <laughs> With my Uzi in my other hand. I'm not going to do the Uzi choke again just to get that in there. Again, can't turn his head away from the mic when he coughs. I didn't know it was coming. It was it happened. That's what she said. He's trying not to laugh. <laughs> you know you want to. <laughs> God damn it. It's the dumbest fucking joke, too. It was perfect. I know. It was just well-timed, that's all. That's the best kind. Stupid and perfectly timed. That's what she said. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think that was in my wedding vows. You're stupid and perfectly timed. <laughs> You're stupid and well-timed. <laughs> All right, guys, we're down to the last page, double-sided. Five pages, double-sided. It's been a long time since I hit that map. Right? <laughs> yeah, this film deserves it, though. Yes, it does. I went to every single fucking Now, detail. before we get started on this, let's talk about the political and social issues of the weather patterns in Antarctica. See, what we saw back in the 80s, this exposes Palmer, who... All right, I got the point. Hmm, good. Okay, I just got this. It's Mac and Windows working together. <laughs> <laughs> That's before either computer system exists. Exactly. Right? That's pretty fucking intense. <laughs> I'm a Mac. And I'm a PC. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, let me get back on point here. And I'm a thing. No! <laughs> That would, that would be like a Hackintosh. Yeah, yeah. Something like that. <laughs> simulating both to be whatever you want it to be. And I'm Linux. <laughs> oh, run! <laughs> it's so diverse, but so hard to maintain and establish. Hopefully, we did just alienate our non-techie <laughs> listeners. I think that you've come to expect that from us, because we both work in that field. Yeah. So.
Your silicone penis budget is out of control. Shoot some fucking ropes. I have the most confused direction right now. Pulling it just to pull it. Shooting a fucking hot load all over this dog. You can't pay your bail? Well, I could probably fix that for a blowy. My HPV will cure what ails you. What the fuck is up with the name Fancy? Yeah. How did you get that? Yeah, Fancy. I, mean, I probably built this up too much, but uh, actually Tristan Risk uh, coined, I guess, the, the the nickname Fancy when we had her on the Midnight Horror Show. If you don't know her, she's in American Mary and Frankenstein created bikers and a few other. Uh, she, she's great if you're going to ever get her on a podcast. Uh, but when we had her on, I told her uh, I, to- I told her the rest of the show, the story about when I went to Vegas for training one time and I went to a strip club and I was wearing uh, my, my most expensive like pair of pants and like a nice shirt because for some fucking deluded reason I thought that if you go to like a trashy strip club in Vegas you should probably be dressed up nice <laughs> You made and a poor decision, sir. Yeah. There's only two chicks working at this awful strip club where I'm pretty sure is like right around the corner from where Tupac got shot. Oh, Jesus. Now, uh, what time of day was this? Uh, this is probably three o'clock in the morning on day three or so of a so straight you, up drunken. Th- at three in the morning, you're hitching up. The varsity team is sat and you're not even getting junior varsity I now. I don't know if that's true in Vegas, though, but let him finish the story. All right. <laughs> so we, we go to this awful strip club. I'm dressed fairly nice. Uh, our, our, our party kind of breaks up as the as the strippers come up and like kind of fucking you know separate you and take you off and take your money basically uh i get as let off do, into, that's what you're there for yeah, i mean I, it's kind of uh, like visiting the casino it's not like you're a victim here you're no, you're, no, no, you're no, giving no, them money for a service that's a very that's, valuable service that's what that's what we're in there to do and i get uh I, this 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 girl working there comes up and starts talking to me and she uh has she you know she leaves me off into the dark corner of this fucking place and starts taking my money basically and she's got a huge ass like a humongous fucking like if big booties are your thing this chick would have fucking like taken all of your money basically and she starts doing Mostly from the gravitational pull of her ass <laughs> god she's just coming out of the pockets <laughs> at some point she sits in my lap and I hear a terrible tearing sound it's my really nice fucking slacks they have torn from like the the zipper to the fucking ass basically like the, these <laughs> pants are fucking ruined and I need to go back to the hotel probably right about how'd fucking they tear uh, the they, gravitational they, pull from her ass yeah they, they just had a weird fit to them where like the crotch basically hangs down real low and you get that like tension right where the, the seam is where it's so and he's light. He had an explosive boater. 
<laughs> I, yes, I had a boner that destroyed these fucking pants. But no, like, yeah, so I'm, I'm just left there with like a giant fucking like a giant like my par- my pants are fucking blown out. My fancy slacks. So, <laughs> Kristen, yeah, that, from, from there on, it, my my nickname became Fancy Slacks, <laughs> which was shortened to Fancy. Yep. <laughs> fancy. I like it. Yeah. No, oh, this is I, what I, this is what I pictured, right? Mm-hmm. While it has this delicious, juicy booty that's grinding on his pants. Yeah. Right? She has, while it may be a big, juicy booty, she also has control. Yes. She grabs a hold of it with a butt cheek. Uh-huh. She just pinches together her butt cheeks the pants yeah <laughs> while she's grinding yeah. and she does one of these twisting moves on them <laughs> okay and rip yo oh baby i'm so sorry i'm so sorry let's take you in the back and get that taken care of <laughs> yeah but unfortunately fancy's out of money fancy's yeah. completely out of cash so. she's like oh baby he's that's like too bad bucks. it's too bad you better go back to the hotel and get new pants you gotta go now baby your pants are torn you can't stay here because you're out of money <laughs> She was grifting you, man. She used the booty control. Yeah, but you gotta you gotta admire that kind of control. Yeah, that's what yeah. I that's what I paid for. That's what I went in there, and she yeah. took all of my money for her. And so wait, I, is Fancy trying to tell us right now that big booties are his thing? He likes big butts, and he cannot lie. Yeah, I guess I, you other brothers can't. can't deny. Um, a girl walks in with an itty bitty waist and a round thing in your face. You get sprung. Oh yeah, want to pull up front <laughs> because you notice that butt was stuffed. Keep to the jeans she's wearing. Deep in the jeans she's wearing. Oh yeah, I'm hooked and I can't stop. Oh, oh baby, I want to get with you and take your picture. picture. <laughs> you know, fancy tried to warn me, but that butt she got makes me so horny. <laughs> all right, this is your reward for listening all the way to the end of this yeah, fucking show. If you show. did this, congrats. Yeah, there you Don't go. Don't tell anybody else. Shh, let them find you it on their own. fucking earn it. 